over a 10 year period. Anyway. Recorded live. I would take, and we had these little codes, and SOS or 505 come out, look like SOS uh, on, on, the, on the digital display. I mean, this was urgent. Call me within like 15 or 20 minutes. It, it's urgent. And then, of course, if you got the 911, it meant stop. I need to hear from you right now. Because there might be something going on, and they, they're like, you know, we know where the car's at. We've been looking at it for six months. It's right here. Go get it now. And then, you know, and then, then if they just wanted me to call them sometime within the next couple of hours, they just put the regular phone number on there for me to call back. And that, that kind of weeded it out. And I, I did have one secretary one time. She she would she would abuse the 505 and the 911. And then I got to where several times I didn't answer her back. And, uh, you know, she finally figured it out that uh, she needed to use it for when it really was. And that's what you need to do. You can't just... You can't develop this radio network and then use it as a, you know, I'll run to the store and get me a gallon of milk kind of thing. It needs to be, it needs, you know, little cross checks on there, you know, little little minor things. Keep keep it keep the communication succinct and professional and be prepared to, you know, do what you need to do, you know, if somebody's missing or a circumstance or situation happens. You know, the perfect storm of events occurs. You need to get a hold of somebody. Yeah, you know, some people don't always answer their phones. So, um, you know, if you got the radio speaker going in the background in the house, and, you know, somebody says, hey, Martha, you know, uh, yeah, this is Martha calling John. Martha calling John. Where are you at, John? We need to get a hold of you. We haven't heard from you. John goes, oh, all right, I'll find out what it is they need. And it might have been something important that John needed to really know, a critical piece of information. So you get your own little radio network going. That's something you can do. Um, oh, I don't know. Should I go into a piece of politics that just irritated me to no end? I know some of you folks out there, AVR, you know, we're kind of the... You know, they say if you want fair and balanced news, you listen to Fox. Well, okay, if you want fair and balanced pablum, if you want the if you want the pretend fair and balanced news, you listen to Fox. So we here on AVR, I figure, I find that most of the listeners to AVR, we're um, you know, we're kind of stiff-necked uh, Christians. We're kind of on the side of the, you know, we're a little bit more right than a lot of people. Uh, we're even more right than uh, than than uh, Alex Jones, it seems, and um, in some some respects. And we're really into some really alternative uh, knowledge and, and information and concepts and ideas. But there are some of us out there who, who still, you know, hold a lot of uh, a lot of you know, hope for people like Alex Jones and Glenn Beck. I long, long, long give up on Rush Limbaugh. He's he's a fifth columnist. All he is is to take you to the precipice and then pull the relief valve and let the steam off. He doesn't ever want you to step off and and you know do anything. He would need to be done, and Andy's even a weaker version of that. 
I used to think Glenn Beck was actually trying to do something that was right. And I don't listen to him that often, but I do spot check, and I listen in every once in a while just to see what's, see what's happening. And it's like God let me catch on at a, at a particular moment here this week. And he was going off about, you know, you know, we need to really follow Christ. And, I mean, he went on for the longest time about Jesus Christ. Oh, well, that's pretty strong for him to be saying on that, you know, main main network, you know, three-hour radio show out of New York. And he says, and if you can't, if you can't get your mind around Jesus Christ, then we need to be like Gandhi. And I thought, he was doing so well there. And he's done that gone to the Gandhi stuff more times than I've heard him do it a dozen times. And I don't know if a lot of you understand. Yeah, Gandhi, quote unquote, did it by peace, but Gandhi was a scurrilous dog. He required, as a part of his payment for his being the grand poobah, a virgin every night. Now, he didn't care what he did with that girl after he, after he was done with her. What happened to her? He was done. She wasn't a virgin anymore. Bye-bye. And, you know, that's that's not how God means a man to act. So if, if that's the personal action of the gentleman on a day-to-day basis, then how can you trust him when he's standing up before you telling you how you're going to respond and react? And if Glenn Beck holds so much, carries so much water for Gandhi, and I have to not have any respect for the man. But it doesn't end there. Almost within the same paragraph, after he got uh, finished extolling Gandhi, he misquoted Thomas Jefferson. And he said, well, we've got to, you know, we've got to have a little revolution every generation. Thomas Jefferson said it. It doesn't need to be violent, though. It's got to be peaceful. And that was his whole bit from talking about Christ to Gandhi to Thomas Jefferson. And and it just dawned on me in my mind. Do you think the gentleman who dressed up like Indians in Boston and went out to the ship, did you think they had a debate beforehand? Oh, I don't know. Maybe we really shouldn't dress up like Indians and throw the tea or whatever it really was into the water. Maybe we should go just protest on the pier. They got British bayonets in their stomach. British wouldn't have tolerated a protest. They did what they needed to do to get their point across, and they did it poignantly and directly. And at the time, they did what they did. You have to understand, they had already been under 25 years of tyranny. They had been putting up with it. They had done the peaceful redress of grievances. We get the short version of the the story in history without reading them, and we go with the quick end ending story of what happened. All some guys dressed up like Indians and threw some tea in the harbor, and the British got all mad, and we had a war, and we won, and we kicked them back, you know, and that's it. You have to understand that it was building to a crescendo of things happening, usurpation of, of, you know, abuse of rights. You know, the, the colonies were making oodles of money and were, were self-sufficient and, and were getting by on their own, and the king found out what they were doing, and he would, he, would, he would say, no, 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 you can't do that. And he'd pass a new rule or a new edict and send it over with fresh troops to, you know, enforce it at the point of a barrel and a bayonet. 
Well, that quote about Thomas Jefferson didn't sound like, uh, you know, a Green Party peacenik Gandhi uh, thing when I read it. It says, the tree of liberty must each generation be watered with both the blood of the patriot and the tyrant. And now, I guess we could get pen knives out and we could all go up and do a little cut on our palm and drip it on the tree of liberty and get get some tyrants to come over and do the same thing. And we'd all just, you know, shake hands and be warm and fuzzy. But I don't think that's what he meant. Get my drift. So you need to keep those things in the back of your mind. And when you're when you're listening to some of these gentlemen, you know, pick and choose what it is you hear them say. Listen to them with discerning ears. They still have a lot of good information, so I'm not telling you to, to completely throw the, 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 the baby out with the bathwater. But, you know, don't stick the baby down in the scalding or the ultra-cold freezing water. Make sure things are, you know, the, temp, the, it's, the temperature's right when you're going to, you know, when you're dealing with your life and your family and, and your resources and what you're going to be doing. You know, um, Melanie Zederson will sell you, <clears throat> she, she, she doesn't, she's got charismatics, but she's really wanting you to get modern coins that you don't have to pay but just a premium on, and gold and silver. She really pushes, you know, junk silver for people who don't have a lot of money, and that's a good thing. Glenn Beck, on the other hand, is wanting you to high premium, overcharged, you know, two and three times the price of the gold, you know, coins. Because because they can't take them, because they didn't take the coins in the Great Depression. They only took the bullion and the, and the non-neurismatic coins. Look, I don't know about you, but somebody comes along and tells me that my gold is outlawed and i got to turn it in, I got bullet molds. Gold melts. If that's if that's really how bad it gets, I'll give it to them. One piece of it at a time. They can collect it. But you know, you need to you need to need like I said before, you need to cross that bridge and make that decision for yourself and see where your line in the sand is at. So that's my thing about that, you know, and I, I should have had him there with Mr. Camping because I kind of put him in the, you know, since he he's professing, Mr. Beck's professing all this grand uh, uh, resonance with the Bible and God, uh, and it kind of puts him in the prophet to kind of kind of margin, although he ain't saying, thus saith the Lord. Uh, he, 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 is, he is giving the... Uh, uh, implication that that's what he's uh, that's what he's talking about. Okay, it's coming up on the top of the hour. I'm going to go ahead and give out the phone numbers again. Uh, toll free is 800-596-8191. 800-596-8191. And for the uh, unlimited calls, it's five four one. I mean, unlimited. For those of you with unlimited minutes and international callers, it's five four one. 8269159 I'll leave you a little joke here. I don't think I told this one. A fellow sitting on a park bench in New York City, he's tearing up the New York Times into thousands of little pieces, throwing it all over the park. 
The police officers come up to him and says, what is it? Are you doing, sir? Are you nuts? And he says, no, no, I'm uh, I'm keeping grizzly bears away. And one of the police officers looked at him and said, you're crazy. There's not a grizzly bear around for 2,000 miles. And the guy looks up at him see, it's working. So not all things are always as they appear to be. All right. Producer Frank, where's my music? No, we got dead air. Do we have dead air? Are we even on the air? There we go. There's the music. All righty. We'll see you back here in about three minutes for the next hour. And I'm Richard McGregor. This is Survival Time. Talk Stream Live. I mean, on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, go over to Talk Stream Live and vote for us. Thank you. survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers 
years worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. and white what's done in the dark will be brought to the light you can run on 
tell that long tongue liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter God is going to cut you down if you're not on his side. So get your get your insurance, as I used to call it, fire insurance. But, you know, you want the total package. You want full coverage. You want to be uh, prayed up, paid up, and saved up. And be ready to take care of what needs to take care of. And, and I'll mention this, Book of the Week, Bible, the Holy Scripture, your flavor, your version. I know there's some people out there, even on this network, if it ain't the King James, it ain't the Word of God. Okay, fine. I went for years on the New American Standard, and when I had a question about words, I did word studies. I got the concordance out. I got the Greek dictionary out. I, you know, the Hebrew, and I, I did my studies, and I always had my King James. I've got a comparative Bible. You know, I, I've got a Ferrar Fenton. I've got a Geneva Bible. You know, I'm not stuck on one thing. You know, I I, I'm, I like to be a little flexible. Uh, and I personally, for day-to-day reading, prefer the King James too. Well, it just cleans up some of the language variations in there. Uh, you know, uh, it just makes it a little bit more understanding. Now, yeah, if they if you've got the feminized Bible where they've removed all the masculine references to God. Okay, that's much. I agree with them on that one. But, you know, get your King James, if that's if that's your flavor, New American Standard, NIV. Uh, you know, and uh, definitely go ahead and get yourself a King James for reference. That so way you can always cross-reference and get, you, get, your, get your materials. That's part of your survival kit, you know. Now, having, having some, and, and I don't recommend just New Testaments. I recommend you can go down and get some really nice whole Bibles, small Bibles, uh, if you got, you know, get get yourself the little uh, magnifying um, glass, uh, little plastic magnifiers that you can pick up at, at uh, any place optical that sells good optical, uh, you know, reading glasses stuff. They got those little credit card looking deals. Just go ahead and uh, get get a few of those. Get a bunch of those. Those are actually handy to have. Put them with your map kits. Uh, put them with your instructional manual kits. Use it like a bookmark. Stick one in your little Bible. Have it, have it already there, and get one in your pocket. You know, when I was in the army, I had all these little things in my pocket. I mean, I had, you know, and I, I always put the same, whatever those items were in that particular pocket. When every time I changed the uniform, and we had what was called SOP, Standard Operating Procedures, and our SOP for our operational maps, our code books, our radio signals manuals. All of the stuff that was, you know, sensitive always went up in the left-hand breast pocket of our of our combat shirt. Oh, if you got hit and killed as an officer or an NCO, and the next guy to come up, first off, you don't want to leave that for the enemy. If you can't haul the body away, you got to leave the bodies there while you're, you know, in the middle of a firefight. And then you, you, you reach in real quick and you grab all that stuff out of the pocket. And I kept my little map protractor and all other stuff, you know. And I, I would keep uh, keep different things, you know, in different pockets. And so you, you need to uh, adopt an SOP for all of the things you do, a standard operating procedure. And 
and having having one of those little magnifiers in with with the with your little protractor kit and your in your uh, you know and it'll it'll help you out when you're you know trying to read the map and stuff like that. Um, that was one other thing under the um, kind of an interesting piece of general information I'm trying to spread around here um, that I heard they were advertising this. Um, I I'm I'm trying to remember in my mind I I forgot to take down the name of the mortgage company and I'm I'm I'd just say I'm ninety percent sure it's Quicken Home Loans and right now. I was thinking of this for some of you folks out there to get together in a group, uh, find a piece of farmland somewhere with a house that you can get a loan on it. They have a 3% interest loan right now, but it's a seven-year, and then it's a variable adjustable rate after the seventh year. And it's a 30-year loan, but for the first seven years, the interest rate is 3%. And it's basically designed for people who don't plan to live in a house more than that long or they're doing a whatever for whatever reason. Think about it. You know, one thing, something's going to happen. In seven years, seven years, we're either going to be so far in the depths of the Depression that if they're trying to take that many houses, people are going to fight them. You know, it got almost that way in certain counties and certain states. During the Great Depression, you just didn't hear about it. And the government school didn't teach you about the rebellious farmers that got together with the pitchforks and the torches and told the sheriff, no sell. Uh, you know, we always hear how the banker went in and, you know, took this farm and took that farm. You know, in certain places they did. In other places they didn't. you got to read the history of those and see where those people, those were men and women cut out of the bolt of cloth of courage and patriotism. Once they realized that sterile deeds were being done and they were being ripped off, they stood their ground. So here's the thing. You get this three percenter, get into a farm somewhere, you know, uh, not too far from where you want to want to go, someplace that you guys could grow, you know, start planting your fruit trees, planting your, 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 your vineyard. Uh, grow your hops, your rhizomes, uh, you know, uh, get your gardening going, uh, throw a couple of beef out there, goats, sheep, chickens. A place to go and have a, you know, you go uh, go do tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. Uh, you, you, uh, you can go do Passover, uh, you know, observe the biblical observances of the actual things we're supposed to be doing. You know, uh, if you if you look in the Old Testament, we were told to to tell the story of Passover to each succeeding generation. It didn't say stop doing it at one time. Christ didn't tell us to stop doing it. So we're still supposed to be doing that. And I believe that's the original Thanksgiving. I think that's what the pilgrims were celebrating. They weren't just celebrating, uh, you know, the thankfulness of the bounty of what they did have. They were they were doing their feast of tabernacles. It was about the right time of year, uh, and in uh, that's just my opinion. I think that's what what they were doing. And uh, you would have a place to go, have summer retreats, uh, have conferences, have uh, guest speakers come in, and you know, have a small group of people get together and have your own survival conference. 
have a religious retreat, you know, go buy yourself a couple of GP large tents, you know, military tents, and, uh, you know, build yourself a cook trailer, you know, with a big, big uh, gas-powered grill or wood-burning stove and whatever you needed in it, and, uh, you know, have it everything out there on the property and put some shipping containers out there, and every family can have a shipping container, and their own stuff is in that shipping container, vehicle, trailer, uh, equipment, already, already packed, and, you know, get, get some of your retired folks, a retired couple, or somebody that's, you know, having a tough time maybe making it, you give them a home. They have a place to live. They kind of keep security, keep an eye on the thing. And that's their job as part of your survival group, to make sure everything's intact. You know, get creative. But here's an opportunity, you know, want to look into this. And it's not the only place that's doing this. So you look for these 3% modified special loans. That might just be enough. You know, and there's always balloon payments. The thing of it is, at the end of that seven-year period, if we're not, if we're recovering, we're coming out of a depression, there's going to be competition. You can always shop around. If their adjustable rate goes up to ridiculous, you know, if it goes from 3 to 19%, you can go, okay, we'll pay this month and, you know, go find another loan. You know, get another get another rate, you know, and, you know, find something that's better. And it did say there was limitation to how much it could go up quarterly uh, or some or I think it was quarterly. So they can't really jack it up that high, but I mean, it, it can go up a couple of points right away, and then it keep going up a couple of points because it is adjustable. So you've got to be aware of that. Don't get yourself caught in a situation like that. Be aware. But if there's a bunch of you pulling together on 20 acres somewhere, and you keep making better payments on it than the monthly stroke anyway, you probably wind up having that paid off. In no time flat. Now, if you're going to do an association, you know, you've got to lock it in that no one can force sell to get there if they want to leave. If they want to leave, they have to sell at fair market value. Uh, you know, they get reimbursed for what they what they uh, what they put in. If they want to, if they want out, they get reimbursed for what they put in, and a small percent, and they have to take payments. And they pay, made payments to get in on it. They can't just come in and demand, let's say, the property's worth uh, twenty thousand dollars equity, and uh, or you know, be all paid in twenty grand. And there's twenty of you, and he or uh, you know, they're, they're, and he wants his thousand dollars right then and there. And no, no, if you were paying in a hundred bucks a month or fifty bucks a month, then that's the rate he gets paid back at if they want out. You know, this is why you need to, you know form a tight-knit association, and in this case, I do recommend an attorney. And call yourself not a survival group, um, you know, uh, historical reenactment group, uh, or historical, uh, you know, come up with some clever title, uh, the, the, the uh, Wichita Outdoorsman Association, you know, the Colorado Environmental uh, awareness group and what, whatever you know benign innocuous name you come up with and you get you get a charter established and you make it a, a for real organization you just you know tragedy we don't have just the good old handshake anymore there are people who you know try to step in and take advantage of the situation hang on just a second folks 
way. That's an option there for you to, to look into, uh, you know, as far as a, a, a reasonable economic uh, economic rate uh, to get into a piece of property. Oh, I was going to give the number out again. Uh, somebody want to call in, 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191. Or for those with unlimited minutes or international callers, 541-826-9159. 541-826-9159. Do I have any Canadian listeners? Give a call. Let us hear from you up there. Anybody from Australia out there? England? Ireland? Spain? Germany? All right. Oh, what was I going to talk about next? We're kind of kind of coming over here, and I was going to talk about in the past, we've talked about you know how you're going to carry all this stuff for you know for the for the immediate use for the weapons and the firearms and stuff like that, the canteen. And that's known as field gear. And there's the harness style of carrying field gear, and then there's the vest. Now the vest is all in vogue now, and the military is all hot and using that. I was on the vest a long, long time ago. I was using vest, building my own vest. Uh, oh, back in 81, 82, I was building Vest. I was kind of on to it a little bit even before that. I just hadn't got as sophisticated or, or as advanced. And what I really like to find is the Army, well, I just can't say Army, but the, the Air Crew Helicopter Survival Vest. It's mesh, it's, it's green, it's got pockets all on the front, it's adjustable in the back. They do come in base sizes, but you can, you know, let the strings out and adjust it for even a little bit bigger. And what I did is I fixed loops on the inside of it, Velcro loops, and some of them I stitched on and made them permanent and just slid them through, didn't even have them Velcroed. And I would slide the, uh, initially I was using the canvas H-type harnesses from Vietnam. Uh, and then later on I used the Y-type harness, the post-Vietnam uh, combat harness. And then I would I would make loops down off the bottom of the vest because they're kind of short waist, and I would hang a military uh, cartridge belt, pistol belt, and I would hook in the the hooks from the uh, from the harness. Before I would do all of this, I would modify, I would take take some of the pockets off, rearrange some of the pockets, and um, the first magazine pouches because I was using an M1A Springfield Armory M1A and 308. So my first magazine pouches, and during Vietnam, they had some canvas magazine pouches that were single, green canvas. And uh, they had double loops on them, so you could put them on a belt high or low, however you wanted to carry them. And they had snaps. And you've seen some pistol belts with a row of, row of uh, the female snaps mounted in the center of it all the way around. Well, that was for that M14 single magazine pouch. Or uh, you've seen it with just the one snap up on the left side, that was for the 45 magazine pouch. But the one where it had multiple snaps every few inches, that was for that M14. So uh, what I did is I cut that loops off the back. Because it was extra weight. I didn't need it. I sewed those pockets. I sewed the six of those pockets, three on each side of a helicopter vest. And uh, I sewed on a, I had a leather uh, tanker holster. That was had really bad 
shoulder strap. It was in really bad shape. I picked it up for a song at a yard sale, a couple of bucks. So I cut the rest of the straps off, and I stitched it to the helicopter vest. So now it had already had a place on it for a holster for a 38. So I cut the 38 holster off because I wasn't going to carry a 38. I put this 45 holster in its place. Then I rearranged some of the pockets, and I put magazines and survival gear and compasses and mini binoculars and and everything else. And then I then I had the harness already on there and the pistol belt. And I hung a butt pack and four canteens, a couple of little pocket pouches, and and then and then I went from there. And then I developed my first drop down leg holster with the knife behind it. Used a tool knife the first time, a Case Double X buoy. I mounted a 45 holster on top of that, so I had two pistols and the rifle. I've always been an advocate of carrying at least two handguns. I have one acquaintance who believes in carrying three handguns. And as opposed to carrying three of the same handgun, if I was going to carry a third handgun, I'd probably favor a 22 with a suppressor. Illegally owned, of course. Unless there is no more laws, and then if you can't file for your $200 tax stamp because the office is closed and there's no transportation and there's no phones, well, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but as long as we have society and there are rules, you know, don't disobey the rules. Don't go make any illegal things. You, know, you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to go to prison. It's a bad place to try and start out a survival program from inside prison. Those of you that ever watched the Stephen King uh, miniseries, oh, what was that one called? Now I can't remember what the name of that series was. But remember the one guy who was in prison and he caught a rat and he kept it under his bed because he was going to eat it. And his fellow cellmate was dead and, you know, he was stuck in that prison rotten and, you know, people, the corpses were rotten. He was the only one left living. And uh, the devil come and let him out. So, uh, you know, I don't want to make a deal with the devil to get me out of prison, okay? I just don't want to be in prison to begin with. So, you know, you got to go ahead and you know, be right, you know, cover your bases, be legal. You know, you can you can do a lot of things and be right on the edge, right on the precipice, and not break the rules. If uh, your plumbing supplies are in your plumbing thing and your reloading supplies are in your reloading and you've got your toy cannon and your cannon fuses in your box with your toy cannon and your in your toy cannon black powder, and those three things aren't in the same place together, and there isn't a book that says what to do with all three of those components together, then you're good. So when you put all three of those components in the same box with the book on how to do it, you get yourself in trouble. Don't get yourself in trouble. Keep your componentry separate. Keep your mag light flashlights, your surplus extra ones that you intend someday to, you know, do something with. Uh, you know, you need to go see George Clooney's movie, The American, and and watch what he does because he was a he was a he was a, a an armorer for Hitman, and you know he used whatever materials were available to take care of and do things. So you know you can learn a few things. Or it's an entertaining movie. On top of that, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it's not that old. It's been out just for a couple of years. Uh, he does a, does a pretty good job. It's not the typical Clooney that you would see in some of his other movies. He's a completely different character uh, and, and not bad. But, you know, you watch his scenes where he's 
doing doing his doing his magic with the firearms. And you'll you'll get what you need mag lights for. You'll you'll see their application. That they're they're very useful uh, in conjunction with other things. Uh, you just got them in a box, you know, you leave them in their package. Gee, it's a mag light. What do you you know, what are you what are you gonna do? It's a mag light. So, you know, you can have your library, you can have your books. Don't talk about things over the telephone. If you and your buddies start talking about building suppressors and converting guns into machine guns, if you talk about it, you get in trouble. That's conspiracy to commit, to violate. If you talk about it as an informational and an instructional course out and reading it out of a book, that's free speech. That's protected. It's all in how you do it. All right. It's coming down. That's Mr. Carl Klang, and we, uh, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor, and we'll be right back with you here in a few minutes. Training armies on our ground With the soldiers dressed In black and blue To aim the crosshair of their guns at the end I know a man survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t dot com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
at all. So it, that used to be you, a mainstay of the church that they, you know, they they hit it right off hard when you were new in. Get a year's supply of food, and and in the bishops' warehouses, which I think is a great. I mean, you know, to have a church that's that well organized to have its own own crops and and provide basic staple foods throughout the whole country and have their own food program, you know, take care of their own church, their own widows and orphans to speak, you know, and, oh, and help does. families well, out. Yeah, it's just well, a they, great... have, they have acres and acres of uh, church farms, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yep. but, uh, I, I, think they, I think they've probably kind of gone underground, basically, away from the public eye because... Uh, for better or for worse, you know the LDS do take a beating in the press. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I always, uh, I'm always amazed when I hear some guy tell me, "Well, I don't need to put away all that food. I know where three Mormons live." And I say, "You, you, you don't think those guys got guns?" <laughs> Let me tell you, my friend, that one time the entire Los Angeles office of the FBI, every field agent was a, was a ch- church member. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You think those guys are idiots? <laughs> Very smart. Well, and I, and I was one that was raised around here that wasn't a Mormon, so it, it's kind of an interesting deal. But uh, and I'll make a and I'll make another deal with you, Richard. Okay. That, that I'll pray for you if you'll pray for me. I'll do that. What's the need? Oh, just in general. In general? Okay, Jerry. You got it. We'll do that. And you, and you too, sir. Keep All up right. the good work, Richard, and good luck to you, sir. All right. Well, thank you. And go ahead, Frank, and get, get, get Jerry's number for me. All right. We're going to get back here and talk about, um, we talked about, um, you know, that, that commitment to a caliber. And then, and then get the get the accessories, and and we all you all know that I that I really push the the Kalashnikov rifle. You really can't beat it. You got you got a fair reasonably priced rifle. You got very reasonably priced ammunition. Again, you've got a man stopping caliber in seven sixty by three nine. You got inexpensive surplus military magazines that are. In, Good condition and will still work, even though they've been used by some little former East German or Bulgarian or Russian or Chinaman. And you know, it's it's good, solid, robust equipment. The the one thing the communists didn't cut corners on was the implements of war and and things they were they made to you know kill their fellow man with. And now it's available to us because of the fall of the Iron Curtain and. And uh, the popularity of the, of the weapons are, you know, they're basic, they're robust, they're simple. I mean, when you see a picture of a of a of a a ten year old in Somalia sporting an AK, now he knows how to clean it. He knows how to field strip it. He can take care of that weapon as well as any graduate from any basic training in the Marine Corps or the Army can can put together and take take apart their uh, poodle gun. And it, it's not that finicky, and it, it'll survive getting dirty if it can't get cleaned every, every time it goes out and gets shot. Uh, it's a very robust, very highly dependable firearm, and I can't emphasize enough to, you know, and the price point, you know, sub five hundred dollar gun in your hands. You know, if you buy the magazines yourself wholesale, 
you go get a copy of the Shotgun News, and you look in there, and you will see different companies, and they will offer them, and you can buy them. And, and you know, they will say, uh, used surplus magazine, uh, J&L, J&L Supply, uh, JNL.com. It'll say, uh, or Centerfire Systems, um, dot com. Uh, in fact, I'll give you, uh, I haven't given it out in a long time. Uh, Centerfire Systems, 800-950-1231. 800-950-1231. And ask for Ann and tell her that you're a listener to Survival Time on American Voice Radio. And, uh, and that you you you're you're interested in getting some price quotes on some uh, used surplus Klasnikov magazines, but J and L had them for nine ninety five if you bought ten or more. So you say, but I can't afford ten. Okay, you got a friend. Two of you go in together, and both of you get five, and then the next time you can order another ten between the two of you, or three of you. The three of you can get you know you can you can get uh, one of you can get uh, four, and the other two can get three each. You know, and you can get you can get your magazines that way, and you can buy a case of ammunition together. Uh, those of you who are in the Northwest, you, know, you have to find your you have to find where your local gun shows are at. And like I say, the bigger city gun shows are going to have the better prices on ammunition and things like that. Uh, sometimes you'll find really great little items at small gun shows, so don't don't discount a small gun show. But the guys that come in with the tractor trailer and the forklift and you know, the 100,000 rounds of ammunition, it's just not economically feasible for them to do a 75-table show. They're going to go to the, you know, 700, 900, you know, 1,500-table shows in the bigger cities. And coming up on the 15th, I can't remember, it's whatever the weekend of the 15th is in April. I think April 15th might be a Saturday, but it's a three-day show. It's a, it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, weekend of the 15th is the Portland Expo Show. So if you live in Washington State or Oregon or, or you live in, in uh, western Idaho, that's not that long a drive for three or four of you to load up in the Suburban and head on over over to Portland, get you a motel and eat some cheap pizza and, uh, uh, you know, spend a couple of days at the gun show and, and buy up all the ammunition and, and accessories and things that you might find that you might want. Yeah, do keep in mind if you're from out of state, they're not going to let you buy a, a you know uh, complicated. You can't buy a handgun. There's a way you can get around to buying a rifle from a dealer. If you're you know you can always have a handgun or a rifle shipped back to a dealer in your state. Uh, and there's some private party restrictions now in Oregon, but things happen at gun shows all the time. Guy's walking around in line, and you walk over to him, and you say, yeah, and he goes, yeah, and you guys go, ah, so whatever. You know, it's on your shoulder when you walk out. It's still got a little sticker on it that says you brought it in. Who knows? Don't break the law, though. Be careful. But um, doesn't say you can't go over there and buy ammo. And there's supposed to be some guys there from Washington this upcoming show. Below $200 a case for 760 by 3.9 Russian. Now, I know a lot of you say, well, you know, I might be able to find something for a similar price. And, uh, you know, you can find some ammunition similar price in shotgun news, but you're still going to pay $30, $40 shipping. And going to a gun show is an experience. That's actually got some benefit to it. 
You know, you'll meet people, you'll see things. Militia of Montana always goes to that Portland show, and they have all that medical supplies and the survival tabs and all that stuff. And there's a guy named Cy who's got just tons and tons of gun parts. Cy has had contracts with police departments all over the Northwest for for years, for at least two decades, and he destroys their guns. He hates doing that. He cries, but, you know, as part of the deal, he destroys the gun, but he gets to harvest all the parts off the gun. So he has parts for everything, just tons and tons and tons of parts. So if you've got a broken firearm and you need some parts, he's very reasonably priced. Uh, there are other people there with just all kinds of different stuff. And you'll find a guy who's clearing out, you know, he's collected stuff for 20, 25 years. He decides, well, you know, instead of trying to walk a handful of this stuff around, I'm going to rent a table. And he puts all his stuff out, and he just wants to get rid of it. And they're bargain prices. I went up there about, well, uh, oh, I was at the Portland show about six months ago, and uh, there was an H&K lower. It was stripped, but it was just a metal frame lower. And the guy had five bucks on it, and I showed some interest in it. No, and it still had the pistol grip on it. And he said, oh, don't give me three bucks. No. Uh, I, I heard his hand. That was a brand-new Sega shotgun stock. That's because somebody wanted to go from the Monte Carlo-style stock to the pistol grip. But I can see maybe sometime in the future there might be some application for that stock. And he wanted one buck for it. I got a excellent AK plastic stock for one dollar. I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and you know take that. I'm not going to hurt my feelings. So you need to you know mount up and go to a gun show. Check the local paper. You know uh, you can check in the back of Shotgun News if you get the gun list at your local newsstand. The gun list in the back publishes. You know and that's a free listing for the gun show people. And, and it posts by month. They usually give you two months out, and, and you can uh, you can schedule. You can see where the closest show is going to be to you, and you know you get your buddies together, and you know throw in together and make it a you know, guy's weekend out. You know, if you're if your woman's interested in firearms too, then the two of you go over and make it like a little you know make a little vacation out of it. Go go take her to see some sights. Don't go do the show on Saturday, and then go see some sights on Sunday and go home. You know, take her out to find a good good restaurant there for Saturday night and, you know, get yourself a motel and, you know, there you go. You kind of kind of take care of everybody, everybody's needs. And uh, there's just uh, lots of nice people. There's, uh, you know, guys there with tables that are just for political information. And then there's booksellers that, you know, you, you, yeah. I can go into the guys with the got the books. I could I could wind up spending a couple of thousand dollars every time I go if I if I had the money and let myself go. So you wanna you wanna experience a gun show if you haven't. It's education if you've never been to one. You can ask questions. Most people are just they're just friendly as all get out and and they're willing to answer the questions and help you out. Yeah, there's a few surly cusses, but there's surly cusses in everything in life. So you got to get past that. But 99.9% of the people are just great. And, uh, and and I'll tell you, if you ever want to go to a place and feel safe, go to a gun show. I'll tell you. <laughs> it is, 
not supposed to be quote-unquote loaded guns, but I'll tell you, there's more than a few loaded guns under the table. I saw a guy one time steal a gun at a show in Salem. <laughs> and by the time 15 of us chased him down, state police had to get, get there to save him. <laughs> and uh, he was he was impressed. We had him down on the ground and handcuffed and hogtied. He was caught. And uh, the state police guy said, okay, let's... Let me put my handcuffs on him and give it back my handcuffs, and off he went to the patrol car. And none of us got in trouble. I mean, we did. He was he was very appreciative that we had a very effective in doing the job. And and the guy was, uh, you know, he thought he was going to steal a gun and get away with it. And he got caught. And he learned not to do that again. So you know, they're safe. They're fun. You know, um, they're they're, they're uh, you know, like I say, a good good entertainment uh, for you if you're interested in firearms, and and you can get good deals, and uh, you know, stock up your cash, head on over, and uh, you know, and then and then uh, right now, you know, if you're on the East Coast, and I can't remember, it's I think it's in May. Uh, first part of May, early May, I think. Uh, Knob Creek, Kentucky. It's near. It's near. It's near Fort Knox. Um, in in Fort Campbell area, Fort Knox. Um, it's a machine gun shoot. It's three days. It is the mecca for machine guns. Uh, and and secondly, for, it's not a shoot, but for a show. In December, right around the first weekend of December, sometimes the last last day in November, depends on how it falls, but usually the first weekend in December is a three-day show there. And it's a gun show and combined with what's called the Small Arms Review, which is a magazine dedicated in catering to machine guns. And they have a very long, very large building, the SAR building, and then there's about six or seven big fair buildings and I always all in between. It's not as big as the Pomona show used to be in Los Angeles, but it's getting close. And people come in. The people, I met a gentleman who flew in from New Zealand to buy parts for Thompson submachine guns. Because I can own them there legally in, in New Zealand. So uh, he, 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 comes, he comes to that show every year. Uh, there was a guy who came in from Germany. There, there are people that'll come from, from, you know, if they can come from there to go to a show, you know, you can drive from uh, West Texas, you can go from Denver, Colorado. I go from Medford to go to that show, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting, and that's really a big show. And I mean, uh, in Arizona, man, they're wide open on gun ownership. And now you can carry concealed down there. All you have to do is not be a criminal. You don't even need a permit. You you can carry concealed in Arizona. So um, you know, there's a whole whole lot of good reasons. You know, just make sure you got your green card. <laughs> anyway, um, so I talked earlier. If you're if you're if you're not really you're getting older and you're not strong and you're not going to be out there. You know, with the 70-pound pack and the 50 pounds of field gear, pumping the mainline battle rifle, get yourself a Ruger 1022, a 22 pistol or a 38 caliber pistol. 
And you don't need to shoot plus P's. You can just shoot regular 38 ammo. Trust me, that's 38's been killing people. You know, back back in the day of John Billinger, a lot of the police officers had what was called police positive. And that was even shorter than special. That was really, you know, compared they are really anemic and weak round. But they killed people with it. So you don't have to have, you know, <coughs> you know, there are certain weapons that work better with plus P. A little snub noses and little four inch revolvers, you don't need that. You can use regular thirty eight. And 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 enjoy shooting, be comfortable. And if you get a twenty two pistol, you can practice still reasonably cheap. You're still still around eighteen dollars for five hundred and fifty rounds of ammunition, uh at, at most places. And then uh you know, those those Butler Creek uh steel lip magazines for the ten twenty two. They're about $22 a piece, retail. And, uh, you know, you can find a place that's stocking those, and you can buy one or two a month, you know, until you get get a supply of them. You know, less than five, but you know seven's better. Ten's even better yet. But, I mean, that's still... You know, if you had five or seven magazines, a couple of the original 10-rounders, you're going to get one with the rifle. Buy a second factory 10-rounder. You know, I always like to have a couple of those in case you get lost. And then uh, you buy yourself the bulk ammo to practice with and have fun clinking and, and for backup and emergency and whatever. And then buy yourself a few boxes of CCI mini mag, 100-round box, uh, long, slender, uh, kind of a yellowish plastic box with a clear top. Uh, they're around 7 to $8 now for 100 rounds. But a little higher velocity, a little higher quality. You can get them either a little round nose or a little teeny uh, plated hollow point. Uh, some little twenty two pistols will not shoot anything but that. That's okay. Uh, and I have a, uh, I have a uh, Beretta Model 21, uh, 22 long rifle, and it, it doesn't like the Federal or the Remington uh, 550 pack ammo. It, it, it won't uh, <clears throat> uh, cycle properly on every round, but I put the CCI main mag in it, it never fails. It loves every round of it. So you gotta you know gotta learn your weapon and learn you know check different ammunition, but the 550 packs I've never had a Ruger 10-22. I mean they just eat it up like there was nobody's business. But I still like to have a little bit of the premium ammunition for a defensive loads and things like that. <coughs> Sorry about that, folks. One of these days I'm gonna get this fluid off and, and get this cough going. Well. Um, I think we pretty much uh, covered what I wanted to talk about firearms tonight, and we'll uh, we'll reiterate the you know if you're going to get a you know a good shotgun, it'd be a, always a good thing to have. You know you don't have to get the Sega with all the big magazines, but get yourself a good pump shotgun. You can usually pick up a used Remington 870 for under 200 bucks. You know you can pick up a used Mossberg 500. Sometimes around 150 bucks. Even I've seen them as low as 100 and a quarter. Shotgun is a very versatile weapon. Be sure you get plenty of double lock buck and slugs. You can use number four buck. And then get yourself some, you know, bird shot, hunting loads, and things like that. To get a sporting field model Remington 870, uh, and it's got a 26 or 28 inch barrel, and you get a tube extension, three round tube extension, don't cut that barrel. 
Those barrels are so expensive. You might pick up a Remington 870 for $175. If you want to buy a new barrel, it would cost you about 125 bucks. If you can buy for $90 a slug barrel, and they're quick interchange. And now you've got the ability to hunt both two-legged and four-legged. Anyway, that's the end of the show this week. I am Richard McGregor, and this is Survival Time, and we thank you. We thank you for voting for us over on TalkStream Live. God bless, and uh, we'll see you next week. I live back in the woods, you see. My woman and the kids and the dogs and me. Got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. I can plow a field all day long. I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn. Make our own whiskey and our own smoke, too. Ain't too many things these old boys can't do. We grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine, and country boy can survive.
their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
yet they're still in prison. Gee, this is like the Waco people who were all acquitted and still are sitting in prison. Because you see, the government, when they want you in prison, they don't care what the jury says. This is why I'm telling you, if things go south in this election, and I mean by any way, whether they stuff the ballots, hack the machines, the Republican Party, uh, you know, uh, just betrays their own candidate in the Electoral College, whatever, peace ain't going to solve it. And now, I went through this, and I, and I did a whole, you know, segment of a show, at least on this whole concept, and it is a legal concept, and it's more than actually a concept, because it's the law. People say, well, you know, hey, you can't run around threatening people. Well, okay, for just general purposes, that's a pretty good statement. That's pretty close. That's so, yeah, you can't just run around for no reason threatening to, uh, you know, harm people or threatening to do something illegal and, you know, committing assault or whatever is illegal unless you have a reason. And I don't mean just because, well, they made me mad, so that's good enough. No. I mean a reason as in, listen, before anything happens, you know, you let somebody know. I'm telling you right now, if, you hear that word, if, if you do, meaning if you make the choice. See, I'm not making the choice anymore. You're making the choice, okay? You are making the choice. You, if you decide, if you do this, whatever this is, and it, it, you know, it has to be something that puts you in fear, damages you know, your property, or injures you in some way, okay? I'm going to do this. In other words, if you pull that gun on me, I'm going to kill you where you stand. Is not an illegal threat, folks. That is a conditional threat. You understand? Because somebody somebody pulling a gun on you, uh, if you're not in fear for your life, there's something seriously wrong with you, and maybe you ought to be locked up because uh, you have some serious deficiencies going on. I mean, for your own protection you should maybe be locked up. Because somebody pulls a gun on you, and you're not immediately in fear for your life, uh, there's a problem. That is not an illegal threat. If you pull that gun on me, I will kill you where you stand. Now, normally telling somebody you'll kill them where they stand is, is you know, generally speaking, not something that you can say, or should say anyway. But if you are in fear for your life, if they do this, now you see the other individual now has the choice. Well, if you decide to go ahead and try to pull that gun, well, I told you what's going to happen. So you're choosing this path, not me. Let's keep that in mind. If... This election goes sideways. It will be war. 
And everybody out there needs to get their head wrapped around that idea. We are on a precipice here. And and you know what? We're not going to just get off that. That That's not going to go away. Let's just say, okay, they say, well, all right, let, let's see what we can do here. Uh, yeah, we don't want a revolution just now. And uh, let's, uh, let's let Trump be president. And we'll uh, we'll take care of him like we did Reagan. We'll we'll bring him to heel like we did Reagan, and they did bring Reagan to heel. See, he went into it knowing who he was was nothing but an actor, but he was smart enough to know George Bush was a criminal and said he'll never be on my uh, team. Well, he was his vice president. How'd that happen? Before Reagan ever got shot, somebody pulled him to the side and said, hey, guess who's going to be your vice president? It's George Bush, and that's that. And Reagan, for whatever reason, capitulated with his enemy. Folks, what is that when you capitulate with your enemy? Well, most countries consider that treason. You know, I mean, if... (laughs) You capitulate with your enemy, man, and and you're guilty of treason. What did they do to the Vichy government people in France? Now, for those of you that don't know what that is, Nazi Germany invaded France and occupied it. We all kind of are aware of that, right? And then, you know, obviously the people who were running the French government had to go. And the Nazis appointed a new government to administer France, and it was called the Vichy government. Well, that's all well and fine until the Nazis uh, were pushed out of France and the Allies came in. The Vichy government people were all hanged because they were French people who capitulated with the enemy, okay, and became a part of their enemy government. They were hanged. What did Ronald Reagan do? He said George Bush is this, that, and the other thing, and he was right. George Bush will never be in my administration. Well, he was wrong. He lied. Or he meant it when he said it, but then he capitulated with his enemy. And George Bush is an enemy of the United States of America and all the people therein. So, did he commit treason? I say he did. And, well, that's just the start of his treason. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, hey, when you... uh, And I'm not saying Ronald Reagan had his personal hand in this, because I think this was all... This has got George Bush written all over it. The, uh, you know, when Carter sent in, uh, okay, let's rescue those hostages in Iran, and, uh, gee, our military just flew helicopters into each other and crashed and burned in the middle of the desert and had to run back out to the uh, Gulf with their tails between their legs because they couldn't manage to even get to Tehran without crashing and burning into each other. Now, that doesn't happen accidentally. And it doesn't happen that, okay, so what? Couple of couple of helicopters. Let's say they crash and burn. Oh, in that case, never mind. This is too dangerous. Really? Yeah, they turn around. 
okay, mission's over, forget it. Sorry about that, you hostages. Yeah, inside job set up by George Bush. Got his fingerprints all over it. And this is the guy that Ronald Reagan made vice president. I'd say that's treason. George Bush definitely committed treason right there. By facilitating the death of American soldiers who were trying to rescue hostages held by a hostile government, uh, that's treason, baby, in any book. And that these families are still considered elite in this country is disgusting. And it's a sad commentary on the rest of us. Okay? It really is. Because you know what makes them elite? Because we all believe they're elite. And I say we lightly because I don't think they're elite. And I've told you before, they're scumbags. They're mentally deficient for the most part. They're morally bankrupt completely. And they're just generally dirtbag, spoiled little brats is what they amount to. Okay? They're not elite. There's nothing about them that is elite. Except perhaps their bank account, which buys them influence and access. And that's the whole point of this, you know, email and everything else about Hillary Clinton. That woman has accepted money, and I'm talking tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars in return for access for her positions that she has held in the United States government. Bill Clinton did the same thing. He did it with the Chinese. She's done it with the Saudi Arabians. They do it wherever the money's at. They are up for the highest bidder. And that ain't you. Anyway, to speak to this, let's, uh, let me read a few quotes, a couple of quotes anyway here. The powers of financial capitalism had a far-reaching aim, nothing less than to create a world system of, finan of financial control in private hands able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. This system was to be controlled in a feudalist fashion by the central banks of the world acting in concert by secret agreements arrived at in frequent meetings and conferences. You know, why do you think they uh, have the Bilderbergers and the G20 and the, all these other meetings they go to? Just to, you know, hang around and uh, be perverts together? You know, that's, that's a very limited view of what's going on, folks. I'm not saying they're not perverts, but I'm just saying that's not why they get together, okay? They might do that while they are together, but that is not why they are together, okay? They got bigger fish to fry than that. The apex of the systems was to be the Bank of International Settlements in Basel, Switzerland, a private bank owned and controlled by the world's central banks, which were themselves private corporations. Each central bank sought to dominate its government by the ability to control treasury loans, 
to manipulate foreign exchanges, to influence the level of economic activity in the country, and to influence cooperative politicians by subsequent economic rewards in the business world. Gee, does that seem familiar to you? Like, oh, wait, that's exactly what's going on and has been going on. Well, that's a quote from Carol Quigley, Tragedy and Hope. And um, here's another uh, quote here. When the struggle seems to be drifting definitely towards a world society, uh, social democracy, there may still be a great... Hang on here. When the struggle seems to be drifting definitely towards a world social democracy, there may still be very great delays and disappointments before it becomes an efficient and beneficent world system. Countless people will hate the new world order and will die protesting against it. When we attempt to evaluate its promise, we have to bear in mind the distress of a generation or so of malcontents. That would be you and me, folks. Many of them quite gallant and graceful-looking people. Gee, who was that? Well, you know, I love this guy's work. I I really like science fiction, but that was H.G. Wells. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. He was a Fabian socialist and the author of The New World Order. Yeah, here's another good one. In short, the house of the uh, the house of world order will have to be built from the bottom up rather than from the top down. It will look like a great booming buzzing confusion to use Williams James famous description of reality, but an end run around national sovereignty eroding it piece by piece will accomplish much more than the old-fashioned frontal assault. Huh. That's from Richard Gardner, member of the Trilateral Commission, from 1974. Yeah, this is all just a big coincidence, isn't it? And we have this. The New World Order cannot happen without U.S. participation, as we are the single most significant component. Yes, there will be a new world order, and it will force the United States to change its perceptions. Guess who that was? That was Henry Kissinger. He said that in 1994. Folks, this was a piece of crap, criminal, traitor. He should be hanged by the neck till dead after his very, very speedy trial for treason. He was Secretary of State for crying out loud. Okay? Oh, but wait. So was Hillary Clinton. All right? And what has she said? Oh, her dream is to have an open open borders. Open everything. Yeah, this is this is her dream. And she was Secretary of State too. Secretary The State Department of the United States has been 
a hotbed of treason for a really, really, really long time. Check its history. It, you know, it should be just... We can't do without... <laughs> well, I mean, we we really can't do... I don't think we can, we can do as a nation without a State Department. Unlike, you know, the Department of Education or the Department of Energy or the Department of this or that or the other thing, they can all go. Okay, Department of Homeland Security, all of them can just go. We don't need them. And they have they they got no authority to be existing in the first place. Now, the State Department is there to deal with other sovereign nations around the world. Kind of got to have one of them. But our State Department here has been infested with traitors for so long that our State Department that is supposed to be representing our national sovereignty to other sovereign nations around the world has been actively working to destroy our national sovereignty and drag the United States and its people kicking and screaming and dying into the New World Order, whether you like it or not. Every bureaucrat in that department should be fired and imprisoned. No trial, no nothing. Yeah, that's right. I am suggesting that. No due process for these people. Oh, okay, I suppose we could mess around and pretend we're going to give them due process. I know what we can do. Hey, why don't we do it just like the government does to uh, us? Why don't we arrest them all? Throw them in jail, make their bond, uh, I don't know, $50 trillion, and then sit them in there a year, tell them they're waiting for their speedy trial. And in a year, you should be able to determine who exactly the real, you know, the, the traitors that were actively, that you can prove you committed treason. And then give them a public trial and a very public hanging. And the ones that you've decided, well, you were just accomplices and you really didn't have, you know, the authority or the power. You're just doing what you're told and you've spent a year in prison, so I guess you can go now. But you will never work for the federal government in any capacity again, nor will you get any retirement or any any benefits at all. You're going to be out there saying, hey, welcome to Walmart. Would you like fries with that? Because your career is over. That's how it ought to go, but it ain't gonna. I mean, can you imagine we're in a country actually considering Hillary Clinton as as president? What kind of place is this? What kind of people do we live around if this is it? Well, I don't think this is it. I mean, look, I think there's problems. Then this is all just my opinion right now. I think there's probably about maybe, I don't know, 20% of the population, and I mean the adult population, and I, I guess I'll, I'll say adult is 18 and above, even though, yeah, really, but uh, I think there's probably about 20% that really like her, that really believe in her, that really fall hook, line, and sinker for her line of crap. You know why? It's not because they're stupid. It's because they've spent 12 to, you know, 16 years in the public school system, which is nothing but a propagandist brainwashing program is what it is. 
They're not, they're not teaching you because, see, school used to be about teaching children how to learn, okay? How to learn things. They taught you how to do research, how to write reports, how to find the truth, how to look up words, how to do these things, how to think, how to learn, how to figure stuff out. That's not what they're teaching kids anymore. Now they're teaching them even as, even as simple thing as learning to read. They teach them, well, no, no, no. You don't want to look up the definitions. You don't want to actually know what the words you're reading actually mean. Just, if you don't know what it means, just guess. And use the context around all the words you don't know what they mean, and you just kind of guess and figure out what it means. And this is how children are being taught to read. What could go wrong with that? Well, except, you know, like everything. But, well, you can see what's gone wrong with that. Pretty much everything. All right, well, I've ranted enough. We'll take a break, and I'll come back, and I've got some news here. I've actually got quite a bit of news, so we'll get back to it when we get back. Stay tuned.
which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserve, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
This is the Frank Report. And the talking's just about over, folks. It is Friday, October 28, 2016. It's about 2.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. Got about a little less than, uh, well, a little couple minutes over 15 minutes. So, But uh, as a nation, the talking's just about over, folks. It really is. And uh, you see how it goes, right? I know a lot of people out there are very enthused over the fact that the seven people, you know, minus the one they killed, okay, don't forget him, they did murder an innocent man, and nobody's being held accountable for that, and a scumbag lesbian governor of Oregon, and I know some people will say, she's not a lesbian, she's married. She says she's a bisexual. Guess what? If you're a bisexual, you're a homo, okay? You have sex with your own sex. You're a homo. You're a woman, you're a lesbian. I, you know, I I don't get that. Why Why aren't they just homos? How come they get to be lesbians? Why is it why why do they still want to be called lesbians instead of homos, but yet you can't call a waitress a waitress, you can't call a stewardess a stewardess, you can't call an actress an actress. And you know, I've heard somebody on this network say, "Oh, that's not a real word." Yeah, it really is a real word. Uh you're just politically correct and uh you have fallen into it, but actress has always been a word and it's always the correct word for a female actor. This is just all a bunch of new crap that they have designed that, oh no, uh, everybody is an actor now. (laughs) Yeah, sure. No, look it up. I did, because that's what I thought and I wasn't sure, so I looked it up and sure enough, that is true. Actress. But now, oh no, can't use that. But, oh, wait a minute. Lesbian they still want to be regarded as lesbians, so fine, our governor is a lesbian, because she has sex with women. She says so. Oh she, oh, she has sex with men, too? Oh, great, and what else? Freak? Yeah, she says, oh, well, you know, that's too bad that they got acquitted. Really? They, they denied a subpoena for her. She was subpoenaed, and they said, oh, no, she doesn't have to show up. The judge protected her. Let's see some collusion between the governor of this so-called sovereign state and the federal government to murder an, a U.S. citizen, uh, an American citizen, should I say. But you know what? <laughs> it's not going to matter here before too long. I'm t- Listen, folks, you got to start telling people that, look, the ballot stuffing and all that is, you know what, that's all good and fine and everything else. But here's a scenario. Eh, that's all it is, because I don't have a crystal ball, neither do you. So, well, and whether you do or not, it doesn't work. So, you know, let's just say it's a, it, it, you know, let's say they can't rig it, because, look, The reality of the situation is Trump is crushing Hillary Clinton. Uh, The host, you know, a couple hours ago said he predicts 
Donald Trump will win by 10 points. Uh, it's far, far. He may only end up winning by 10 points, but he is more like 25 points ahead, maybe 30 points ahead of Hillary Clinton. He is crushing her. You can see all the reality indicators. How many people come to rallies? Let's see. 30 for her? 10,000 for him? Gee, how many points ahead is that? They have to get, Hillary Clinton's campaign, her vice presidential candidate can't even get 30 people together. Okay? Well, he can, but, you know, three-quarters of them are Democratic Party workers and uh, journalists. And then there's those five or six people that just were wandering by going, hey, what's the commotion over here? What's all the cameras? Yeah. It's so bad that her vice presidential candidate has to cancel rallies rather than be embarrassed by the pathetic turnout. Okay, so that's one thing. You might say, well, yeah, but that doesn't prove anything. Okay, how about the fact that Donald Trump has raised $100 million more than Hillary Clinton in donations under $100? Does that tell you anything? Well, it should tell you that, okay, who gives donations of less than $100? Well, regular people do because they don't have any more than that to give. They give what they can, 5, 10, 50, 100 bucks. That's it. That's all they can give. Where's Hillary Clinton getting all her money? Well, $20 million, $20 million from the Saudi prince, uh, another $20 million from the Moroccan king, another, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. And then, the, oh, hey, Goldman Sachs, gee, how much money did you give to, oh, another, what, couple of $10 million or something. That's where she gets her donations, and Donald Trump has crushed her in small donations. I mean, she's not even close to competing on that level. All right, well, that's two things, but big deal. So what? That doesn't prove anything. All right. What else? Oh, yeah. Then there's the fact that Donald Trump won the Republican primaries with 2 million more votes than any other Republican has ever got in the Republican primaries, ever, in the history of the country. You get the significance of that? Are you understanding that he got more Republican votes in the primary than Ronald Reagan did? Yeah, are you grasping this? And you're also grasping the fact that he had to run against, like, 11 candidates? Are you grasping that, like, four to six of them stayed in for the most part of the whole primary? you understanding he lost Ohio to the sitting governor there and yet still got two million more votes than any Republican in the history of the United States? Huh. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton had to shred a million Bernie Sanders votes in California, or she would have lost that state. And if she would have lost that state, Bernie Sanders would have crushed her in the one, meaning W-O-N, delegate column, meaning the delegates that you won through elections, not the superdelegates, because Hillary Clinton still owned 
them, and she would have still gotten a nomination, but it would have put a little cloud over her uh, presidential, uh, you know, aspirations, seeing as how she really didn't win the popular nomination. She won it through superdelegates, okay? So they shredded the million votes in California as to avoid that unfortunate situation. Okay, so who do you think's winning? Oh, but the polls say that Hillary two points up. You know what? People that get on and just quote these polls all day long are either unaware of reality and what's really going on, or you know the answer, or they're not what you think they are. Okay? Folks, the polls, look, they've already been caught. This is the same group of people that will take a 9-11, well, a 9-11, a 9 call and chop it up to make the guy calling in sound like a racist when he didn't say anything racist, when he was answering questions, but they chop it up and edit it to where he sounds like a racist. That's right. Then they'll take a video. Then they'll make a documentary. Yeah, ask little cutie pie Katie Couric. Well, she's not so cute anymore. Okay? Yeah, her and her little producer, what did they do? Oh, they made a documentary. They asked gun owners, well, uh, you know, here's a question. And instead of filming their answers, they told them, okay, and now we want you to all sit here for 10, uh, you know, 10 seconds and we want you to not say anything, uh, or 30 seconds, and, and we want you to not say anything, and we want you to s- just sit there, uh, because, well, yeah, well, we're doing an uh, ambient uh, background uh, noise check. Yeah, sure. It was a lie. What they did was they took that of them st- sitting there quietly like they were told to do because of some sound check. Then they run, they ask the question, and then they show these people just sitting there stupidly like they didn't have an answer when actually they really did have an answer. That's the same people doing the polls, folks. You understand? You understand how easy it is to monkey a poll? poll listen, scientific polls are like scientific studies, okay? I learned all about scientific studies when I went to college. That's right. I took a yet another psychology class, and it's like, okay, we're going to teach you how to do a study, an observational study to be exact. Well, what you have to do in an observational study is you pick something, a subject. I'll tell you mine. Mine was, I said, my premise is uh, people between the eight, people who look, 60 and older, clean their tables at fast food places more often than people under 60. That was my premise. Okay? So now it was time for the observational study, which means you go sit at the fast food place and you watch and you tally what you see. Okay? Okay, you look, you know, and it's not an exact thing, but, eh, you look about 60, and you cleaned your table. And you might think, well, you could fix that by just saying, well, you look a little young, I'm not counting you, and uh, you look a little old, I'm not counting you. Yeah, and you can. You can skew 
the results that way. However, I went one better. I didn't have time for that crap, okay? I'm not sitting in a, a fast food place for hours on end watching people, whether they clean their tables or not. I live in Hawaii. I got things to do. I got no time for that. Oh, but wait, my assignments do. Hmm, so what did I do? I made it all up. That's right. I made it all up, folks. I just came up with, I did a tally sheet. I did, I made it all up, all fantasy, fiction, okay? But here's the trick. I did it just the way they taught me to do it. And I turned it in and I got an A. All fantasy, all made up, all fiction. And yeah, you know what? I did learn something in college that day. So, folks, when you see these polls, understand what you're looking at. You're looking at fiction. You're looking at what somebody wants you to see. Look, get, start getting hip to this game. Or start getting used to being a victim. Okay? That's your choice. Because these people will victimize you. Anyway, so, you know, that that's the thing about the, this election. I really think Trump is going to crush her. And it's going to be very difficult for the kind of crushing I think she really has coming to cover up. And they're going to cheat, and they're going to stuff ballots, and they're going to fix machines and all that. But I think it's just too, it, it's too much for them to overcome. And maybe he will only show up to beat her by 10 points or 5 points, okay? So then what? We all rejoice. Yay! Ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch. Da, da, da. We all dance and sing in the streets, right? Oh, but wait. Guess what? The real election doesn't take place for another two, three weeks. That's when the electoral college votes. Yeah, that's right. Who's in the electoral college? Loyal party members. That's who both on the Democrat and Republican side. Here's how it works. Both parties pick their electors for the Electoral College, right? And they're sitting there. Like, okay, Oregon has seven on each side. Seven Democrats, seven Republicans. If, let's just say, you know, in history, okay? Well, no, let's just do outside of history, because let's just do uh, fiction, Let's say Oregon votes for Donald Trump. All right. So, theoretically, the seven Democrats go home. They do not get to vote. The seven Republicans get to vote. But who are these Republicans? They are party loyalists. Same with the Democrats. They are all party loyalists. Let me tell you something. You do not get to be an elector to the Electoral College unless you are a proven party loyalist. So now we have seven Republicans, and it comes time, the day comes, and they're there to vote. And let's just say, because they are party loyalists, they say, you know what? We don't like Donald Trump. We've never liked Donald Trump. We hate Donald Trump. We've always loved that Bush guy, so let's vote for him. And every one of them, all seven of them, could vote for Donald Trump, uh, for 
George Bush, and George Bush would then get seven electoral votes. Are you starting to grasp what I'm saying here? Look at Paul Ryan. Look at the Republican leadership. How much support have they given Donald Trump, even after he agreed to the ridiculous pledge of, oh, I'll support the nominee, like they all took and they all failed at. They're not supporting. Well, Jeb Bush took that pledge, but he's come out publicly saying, no, he doesn't support Donald Trump, even though he took a pledge. But that's okay, because he's a Bush and they're known liars, so, you know, we, we should have known that, that, you know, he doesn't care about a pledge. Huh. But that's what's going on, folks, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Oh, and then there's a lot of other little scenarios that could go on in that, and they'll say, well, you know, uh, gee, uh, no way, the polls said Hillary was winning by two, Donald Trump won by 20, uh, the elections were hacked. There's no way it was this. We're canceling the elections. Homeland Security has decided we're going to cancel the elections and have another election some other time, some other place, some other, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things that can happen, folks. So keep your eyes peeled, stay alert, and and step away. Step away for a few minutes, meaning, you know, in the big picture, you know, day. Take a day off, man. Go go do something you like, you know. Go do something relaxing. Take your mind off of all of this because you're going to need a rest because you're going to need to be on top of your game here pretty quick. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again Monday. We got good stuff coming up all weekend. Uh, there might be an outage this weekend because I'm going to be trying some. I'm going to be testing something where I'm going to have to shut down the studio. It shouldn't be down too long, but uh, we'll see. And uh, we'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening.
And this week's opening quote comes from Emily Thorne. Welcome to Surviving the Matrix. So ladies and gentlemen, my name is Maxwell Egan. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Well, all the world is indeed a stage, ladies and gentlemen, and that has never been more exemplified by what we've seen unfolding around us in the last few months. As I touched on last week, the fear hype that's being meted out to the world through this Ebola scare and the whole ISIS situation and the wars raging across the Middle East, the war in Ukraine, jet liners being shot down, sanctions against Russia, countries blocking their borders for fear of Ebola. All of this is theatre for the masses, folks. And what it shows is that the powers that believe they be are truly running scared. And they're bringing out everything they can. They're really bringing out all the big guns. They're doing everything they can to distract as much of the world as possible. And in many ways, it's paying off for them. Of course, in many ways, it isn't because it's also serving to wake a lot of people up. But it's been very interesting to see how far they are willing to take things and how much they're willing to ramp up the game and how many directions they're willing to push things from. I mean, it just seems to be coming from everywhere these days, folks. It really does. They're doing everything they can to make sure people are distracted and make sure people are kept in fear. And truly, the level of deception that we are seeing everywhere defies analysis. It, it literally does. It's just escalated to mammoth proportions. The whole ISIS-ISIL terrorist group is a fine example of this, folks. This has really got nothing to do with Islam, this group. This is an obviously Western-run group, which is serving Western interests. It's very effectively divided Iraq into three areas at the moment and you'll notice that this was always part of the plan was to divide Iraq into three separate states one state for the Sunnis, one for the Shiites and one for the Kurds this is the general balkanization of the entire Arab world which is of course part of the Greater Israel Project this is why they have destabilized all of the Arab countries in the region because they wish to split all of these countries up into smaller states because smaller states are much less of a threat. And smaller states are, of course, also much easier to occupy and take over and turn into part of the Greater Israel Project. The plan for Greater Israel was, of course, outlined by a man called Oded Yinon, and the plan calls for a massive expansion of the State of Israel to include all territories within the Nile Valley and the Euphrates. This, of course, is what is represented by the two blue bands on the Jewish flag, the two blue stripes representing the two rivers of the Nile and Euphrates, with the Star of David representing Israel between those two rivers. The Euphrates is, of course, a river that runs through Iraq, so this indicates just exactly how much territory Israel intends to claim in the end. But the plan has always been to break up all of the surrounding nations around Israel and thereby render them ineffective in any defense they may be able to offer towards the expansion of Israel. And when you look at Israel's actions, you can see how all this is falling into place. And also when you look at Israel's recent actions, you can see why the Middle East has suddenly erupted into the massively unstable situation that we now see there. And you can see just how much this instability serves Israel's purposes.
And it's also interesting that things just happen right on cue, just as Israel needs them. For example, as we saw Israel imploding due to its recent actions in Gaza, suffering a massive public backlash from right around the world, suddenly a plane gets shot down in Ukraine and suddenly we have ISIS spring into being and we have this terrible terrorist threat rampaging across the Middle East. And really, folks, when one looks at ISIS, ISIL, IS, whatever you want to call them, it should be blatantly obvious to everybody that these people are not Muslim extremists. They are extremists, but they are most definitely not Muslim. I mean, you've really got to look at this, folks. This group is rampaging across Muslim countries, killing Muslims. It's killing women and children and anybody who can get its hands on. And if you read the Quran, then it says that you're not allowed to kill women and children. Even in battle, it's not permitted to kill women and children. So if these people were Muslim extremists, they would be towing the line very, very specifically as far as the Quran goes. But what they are doing is ensuring themselves a damnation for all time. So therefore, they are not not religious extremists. It's just the West is calling them Muslim. Of course, there's some factions in the movement which are probably calling themselves Muslim, but these are probably Mossad, CIA, or Blackwater. That is who ISIS is. It's a completely Western-run operation which is designed to pave the way for Western intervention into areas that the West desperately wants to go and bomb, but hasn't been able to because of the huge backlash they've been getting from the citizens of the world who really don't want the US to go in and bomb Syria and really don't want the illegal war in Iraq to continue. ISIS, of course, has ensured that it will and has provided everything the US and Israel needs to escalate the conflict right on cue as they were receiving a massive amount of backlash around the world. Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the so-called caliph, the so-called head of ISIL in Iraq, has been identified in a French report as being a man called Simon Elliott, who was born of Jewish parents and is a Mossad agent. And he has also been recently named by the Chechen president as being a CIA asset. There are also certain photographs that are around the place which depict ISIL members. There's one of an ISIL member on the back of a truck and he appears to have a US Army tattoo on his arm. So there should be no doubt that this is a Western-run group. Of course, all you really have to do is look at the actions, folks. In any situation, you need to ask the question, quid bono, who benefits? So ask yourself who benefits from the actions of ISIS, ISIL, ICE, whatever you want to call them. And of course, the only ones who benefit are the West, who have desperately been trying to kickstart the conflict in the region for the last couple of years. And so that, of course, is who is behind the entire ISIL group. And of course, folks, all one really has to do is step back and look at the situation. I mean, what is the result of ISIS, ISIL rampaging across the Middle East? Well, it's been a huge wave of Islamophobia sweep across the globe. The whole world seems to hate Muslims at the moment. So how is ISIS or ISIL or this group going to succeed in creating an Islamic state? Of course it's not. What it's doing is it's succeeding in turning the whole world against Muslims. Now, 
who is it on this earth who would like the whole world to hate Muslims? And of course, it's Israel. So this has always been the plan, folks. You use the Bible in order to suck the Christians into supporting you. You wipe out the religion that is very close to Christianity, which is Islam. I mean, Islam and Christianity are actually very, very similar to each other and are both a far cry from Judaism. And if any two religions would be allied, it would be these two, not Judeo-Christians, and this just doesn't make sense at all. So this is what they've done. They've sucked the Christians into supporting the rogue state of Israel, and they are using the Christians to stomp out Islam, and once they've dealt with Islam, then they will turn and wipe out the Christian countries as well. And they're already in the process of doing this, folks, simply through the economic model. That's how it's been done. I mean, the standard of living in Western Christian countries has degraded dramatically. Most Western Christian countries are suffering from economic implosions at the moment. Of course, the financial system, the Federal Reserve System, and the whole World Bank system is, of course, run by these same Zionist interests. And the reason the Christians support Israel is a very interesting thing, because it says in the Bible that the Christians must support the Holy Land of Israel. But it's the Holy Land of Israel they're supposed to be supporting. And of course the Holy Land of Israel existed for time immemorial within the borders of Palestine. And it's that Holy Land the Christians are supposed to be supporting, not the State of Israel, which is a fabrication. It's a creation of Zionists. It's a creation of the Khazar Jews from Europe who actually came down and created the Jewish state, which isn't actually supposed to exist. So by the creation of this Jewish state, they've actually convinced the Christians into supporting them because the Christians believe they're supporting the Holy Land of Israel. But they're not. They're supporting a rogue state, which is the main source of instability in the world today. And not only that, but it's run by people who are not whom they pretend to be. The people who run the state of Israel are not Semitic Jews. They have no genetic claim to the country. They have no ancestral claim to the country. They have no right to be there whatsoever. What they've done is they've come and usurped the Holy Land, turned it into their own country, and the actual Semitic Jews have been as dispossessed by them as the Palestinians have, and it's the actual Semitic Jews that get the blame for their actions. It's been a very clever plan right from the beginning, but the fact is that the modern-day state of Israel was built on a lie and founded on terrorism. But of course the people generally don't know any of this because the media simply doesn't tell them and they just believe their governments and their governments all say they must support Israel. Mainly because most of the governments of the Western world have been infiltrated by dual citizens or such as the case here in Australia, they're simply populated by people who support corporate interests rather than the interests of the people of their country. All the world is a stage, folks, and if you have only one rule that you ever follow in life, it should be to never, ever, ever believe anything the government tells you. And of course, the media folks will forget the media because the media does not tell the truth anymore. It does not bring the news to the people anymore. All it really does is sort of function as a kind of an unofficial mouthpiece for the government. But back to the Greater Israel Project, this is actually a Zionist plan for the Middle East, folks. It's also known as the Yinan Plan, because, as I mentioned before, it was conceived by a man by the name of Oded Yinan. 
And what it is is an Israeli strategic plan to ensure Israeli regional superiority. And what this plan stipulates is that Israel must reconfigure its geopolitical environment through, as I said, the balkanization of the surrounding Arab states into smaller and weaker states. And when viewed in this context, the war on Iraq, the war on Lebanon, the 2011 war on Libya, the ongoing war in Syria, not to mention the process of regime change in Egypt, can much more easily be understood. It's all part of the Yunnan plan for Greater Israel, which, as I said, consists of weakening and eventually fracturing neighbouring Arab states as part of an Israeli expansionist project known as the Greater Israel Project. And that's what we are seeing in the Middle East today. And really, folks, when you look at it and you look at the situation that's going on there and all of these little wars that are springing up, you look at the fact that the West went in there and turned Libya into a failed state, none of this really makes any sense until you look at all of it within the context of the Yinan plan for Greater Israel, and then suddenly it all makes perfect sense. And you can throw the sudden appearance and actions of ISIS in there as well. The actions of ISIS or ISIL really don't make any sense at all until you put it within the context of the Yinan plan for Greater Israel, and suddenly ISIS makes sense as well. So there is a great deal of validity to these claims and there is a great deal to this plan and it is very obvious to see that it's being played out right now. As part of this expansionist process, the plan also calls for an expansion of Jordan into Greater Jordan. This will be, of course, because they need somewhere to put all the refugees they intend to create from Palestine and Syria and all the neighbouring countries. And all of these refugees will eventually be placed in Greater Jordan, which will exist within the boundaries of Greater Israel and, of course, will eventually be squeezed out the way the Palestinians are being squeezed out of their lands now. In fact, there are many Jews who believe that this is the only possible way peace will ever be achieved in the Middle East is for Israel to basically take over all of the neighbouring Arab nations so that there can never be any possible power or government arise that could threaten the existence of Israel and certainly no state who could ever threaten its total domination of the region. This is, of course, an obvious result of the victim mentality that is programmed and instilled into the people of Israel, whereby they believe themselves to be eternal victims. They believe that everybody hates them, and so they must dominate and crush everybody around them. This is why peace will never be achieved in the Middle East, while Israel remains the dominant power, because Israel will always cause war and conflict just the way it's done since the state's creation. And this is, again, a direct result of the victim mentality and the programming that is instilled within the people of Israel. Of course, it isn't just the people of Israel that are programmed. We've got heavy programming going on in Western countries all over the world. The Islamophobia program that's running everywhere is absolutely amazing. And it's not just Islamophobia, it's basically phobia against anything that is not Western. We've seen a huge escalation in war rhetoric against Russia lately as well. Remember that Russia bailed America out about 12 months ago, and here we have the United States 
doing everything it can to vilify Russia. Recently, there was a launch that went awry in the United States. They actually had Russian engines in the rockets. So of course, they tried to blame Russia for the launch failing. And bear in mind, these rockets were decades old, these engines, and they'd also been modified by an American company. But of course, they attempted to use the event to vilify Russia. They're attempting to blame Russia for shooting down a plane in Ukraine, which was most likely Israel or the United States that shot it down. And they're doing everything they can to create a conflict between East and West. I mean, truly, folks, the rhetoric we're hearing from our news medias is reminiscent of Cold War rhetoric. Back in the days when everything was Russia's fault, we used to blame Russia for everything. This is virtually what we're hearing from the news now. Completely unwarranted, based in no facts at all, before any investigation is even suggested or, or undertaken, they're blaming Russia for things such as this rocket. Before it had even hit the ground, they're blaming Russia for the problem, without any investigation at all. And this is as I said, very reminiscent of Cold War rhetoric and shows just how grossly irresponsible our news media actually are. Because they're not presenting information based on fact, they're just jumping to whatever conclusion works for their political agenda. And that's all we're hearing from the media. So don't trust these people, folks. Like I said, they're not bringing you news anymore. They're just functioning as an unofficial spokesperson for the government. That's all the media is. And when you look at the situation, folks, you look at what we're hearing from government and you look at what you're hearing from the media, what becomes obvious is that America is desperately trying to kickstart World War III. Obama has been trying to escalate global conflict ever since taking office. I guess that's why they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize when he was elected, simply because he was going to start so many wars and they had to try to whitewash over it in some way. But it's an interesting thing, folks, to be in a situation where Vladimir Putin appears to be the only world leader who's actually speaking sense at the moment. This is certainly a far cry from the global situation 20 years ago. Whoever would have thought that Putin would suddenly become the good guy. Not that he is the good guy, not that Russia is a tolerant state at all, but it's interesting listening to the rhetoric we're hearing from our politicians, and it's interesting that Putin appears to be the only one making sense. Of course, don't expect any sense from the Prime Minister of Australia. This man has absolutely excelled himself in stupidity. It's never been seen before, I don't think. The level of moronic activity from a world leader has been taken to an entirely new level by Tony Abbott. The man personifies the word imbecile, the word tyrant, and the word sociopath. There's never been anything like this man in the history of politics, I don't think. And he certainly has done a great deal to wake up much of Australia to the fact that our political system is a joke and our country is being run by morons and corporate puppets. This has never been more clearly exemplified by Tony Abbott and the merry band of sociopaths and morons he has placed as his cabinet. But again, folks, I think these people are running scared. I think that's why this little moron we've got as a Prime Minister is doing the things that he's doing. He's recently passed legislation whereby once your child reaches school age, once it reaches the age of six, you no longer get family support from the government. That's it, folks. Your child's six. He's grown now. It's time for him to go out and make his own way in the world, according to the maggot regime, I mean the Abbott regime. 
That's what they're saying. And the rhetoric we're seeing in Canada as well, the staged event we saw at the Parliament House recently when the gunman came in. All those shots fired, of course, nobody killed except a guard on the gate. And a wonderful excuse for new legislation to be brought in in Canada. Tony Abbott is, of course, chomping at the beat here, hoping for some type of terrorist attack in Australia. He keeps pointing out that we are a threat, we are under threat from terrorists, and doing everything he can to make sure the threat is real. Like sending planes over to help with the illegal war in Iraq and the illegal bombing of Syria. He really is a disgusting, warmongering little cretin, this Prime Minister, and... I can only hope that the people of this country wake up to themselves enough to start some sort of a publicly initiated referendum to get this little creep out of office before he manages to destroy the country completely. I mean, not that he has any more power than any of the previous puppets or any of the puppets that will come. It's just that he is such a sociopath and he is such a butt-licker that he is willing to do anything he can to gain the approval of his corporate masters. And so he really has been taking things to as an extreme degree as possible since he took the reins of power in this country. really is a disgusting little individual, folks and a total failure as a human being. But then I guess that is a prerequisite for any successful politician in today's modern political climate. But as I said, folks, I really do believe they're doing what they're doing because they are running scared. This is why we've had people such as David Cameron make statements that anybody who suggests Israel was responsible for 9-11 is as dangerous as ISIS. So they're attempting to vilify the truth movement or the alternate media or whatever you want to call it and suggest that anybody who speaks out against the government and anybody who speaks the truth, anybody who speaks anything that is not supportive of the government line is a terrorist. This is the way they're attempting to paint things, folks. And they're doing this because they're scared. There's no other reason that they would have for doing this. Because what they're essentially saying is that if you have an analytical mind and you think outside of the box and you question the official narrative in any way at all, then we are going to call you a terrorist. And in a way, it's good that he's making statements such as this because it's showing people just how scared these people are and just how frightened they are of being exposed and also just how far they're prepared to go because, I mean, this is a blatant human rights abuse. It's a blatant attack on free speech. We've even had here in our country, we've had Tony Abbott say that we need to outlaw whistleblowers. And, of course, only a government that is scared of being exposed for whatever actions it's done and a government that wants to remove itself of any accountability would ever even suggest to outlaw whistleblowers. Because if you outlaw whistleblowers, you effectively outlaw government accountability. That is its only purpose. And so it shows just how corrupt this government is and how scared it is of being exposed. And I think it's the same in the United States. They're attempting to outlaw whistleblowers. This is, of course, because of the... Julian Assange and Edward Snowden affairs, and you could tell this was the way it was going to go. That's why they focused so much on the individual in order to distract you from the information that they were presenting. They focused so much on Edward Snowden rather than on the information that Edward Snowden leaked. It's the information that's important, not Edward Snowden. Whenever they focus on the individual, it's a classic distraction away from 
the actual issue, which is the criminality of government, not the fact that someone exposed that criminality. But you know, there's been so many people that have exposed government criminality for so many years now, and the public just doesn't seem to worry about it very much. I don't know why. I mean, when all of that stuff came out that Julian Assange released, everyone started debating whether Julian Assange was the good guy or not. No one actually looked at the fact that the government had been committing blatant war crimes. And they never really looked at the fact that these crimes were going to continue until the people stood up and held the government accountable for their actions. The same thing happened with Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden released information showing that the United States government and its allies have been breaking every single law in the book. They've been spying on their nations. They've been carrying out espionage against not only other nations on earth, but also against their own people. They have been abusing the power and the trust that was granted to them by the people who elected them to office and elected them in good faith, believing these people would look after our infrastructure and manage our countries in a responsible manner. They did exactly the opposite, and when that was exposed, the people began a debate over whether the man who did the exposing had done the right thing or not. And they forgot all about the information that was presented, information which showed beyond any reasonable doubt at all that all of our political systems in all Western countries are populated by criminals who break the law every single day and who do not have the best interest of their people at heart. These are people who have lied to us on every single occasion that they can. These are people who lied to us to gain office. These are people who broke every single election promise they made and people who have sold us down the river and continued to enslave our countries to a system of fictional economic slavery. These are people who are out-and-out criminals and they've shown themselves to be criminals time and time again. And yet we continue to debate the finer points. We continue to do nothing about it and we continue to allow ourselves to be distracted. The question is, how much are we going to continue to take, folks? Because if we don't rein these criminal institutions in, then we are going to allow them to destroy not only the world around us, but destroy this world's ability to support life. And we are certainly allowing them right now to enslave all of our populations into a police state based on a fictional war on terror, all which is based on a lie. And it's about time we stood up and paid attention. But well, I think we've reached break time here, folks, so I'll have to leave it there now. It's a pleasure to have your company with me on the air today, and I'll speak to you again in a few minutes. Thanks for listening. I might be moving to Montana. up a crop of dental floss, raising it up, waxing it down, in a little white box that I can sell uptown. Who 
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. unofficial spokesperson for the government. 
It's just a mouthpiece that tells the people what the government wants them to believe. That's all it is. And in fact, our media is just as criminal as our government. In fact, more so because our media gets on television and lies to the people on a daily basis. And not only does it lie to the people, it programs them with neuro-linguistic programming. It offers them opinions that are not their own and tells them what to believe. And it's very, very clever the way this is done. But once you become aware of it and you become aware of the type of rhetoric and type of programming that the media is putting out, it becomes very, very apparent for all to see. You just have to develop the right type of eyes in order to see it. But once you can see it, then it's very much in your face all the time. It becomes very, very obvious to you what's going on. And the level of programming is really quite astounding, folks, and it comes at you from all directions and very often looks to be the opposite of what it actually is. For example, some of the Islamophobia program that we're seeing running around the planet, we're seeing it here in Australia to a phenomenal degree, all of this animosity being directed towards Muslims, mainly because of ISIS, but the government and the media and also corporations are also playing a role in this to ensure that it really gets into people's minds and gets under people's skin. For example, we see the media all the time screaming out about the terrible Muslim menace and the Islamic extremists, and whenever anybody does anything wrong, the media always makes sure that it's someone who recently converted to Islam. They always make sure that they tell you that, whether they did or didn't. They always make sure that it's part of the rhetoric. If they can include Islam in there in some way, they will do so. And while this is going on, at the same time, you have the politicians, people such as our imbecile Prime Minister, going on television and telling us that we must be tolerant towards the Muslim community. We must reach out to the moderate Muslims and embrace them because we need them as well as part of our community and we need to respect these people. And they're promoting hatred and they're promoting respect. And then the corporations do things like they put halal symbols on their cheeses and things. Someone the other day bought a packet of cheese and they said they are very careful not to buy halal sanctioned food because this is food of the devil because it's Muslim food and it's been cursed and all sorts of stuff. They looked at this packet and they couldn't see a halal label on it until they took the outer packet off and there was a halal label inside and how disgusted they are. Now why is these halal labels appearing around the place? They're appearing on food because the government wants the people to perceive that Islam is gradually encroaching out across the world. It's gradually infiltrating everywhere. And you need to be scared of this Islamization of the Western world. That's the reason they do it. They put these halal labels on there just to freak people out about the Islamification of their societies. Recently, there was going to be a mosque built in the area that I live, and they actually put it to a public vote to see how many of the public would approve of a mosque being built in the area. Why did they put it to a public vote? Because they want people to be scared of the encroachment of Islam. Islam is infiltrating everywhere. Of course, you don't see any public votes if anyone would like to build a synagogue or a church anywhere. And you don't see anyone complaining about food that is 
created in a manner so as to be kosher for the Jewish people. You don't see any problem with this at all. But if you see anything at all being prepared for Muslim people, then it's the terrible Muslim menace encroaching upon our society. That's the way it's been presented to people. And it's been done in a very, very clever and very underhanded manner. Very innocent looking the way it's presented, but it's done just to get under people's skin and make them perceive that there is this massive Islamic infiltration happening around the planet. And they need to also believe that Islamism is an extremely violent religion, which is why we see Western-run operations such as the ISIS-ISIL movement rampaging across the Middle East at the moment, attempting to present a violent extremist version of Islam to the world, when, as I said earlier, these people are most definitely not following the Muslim faith. They're following the Muslim faith about as much as Tokamata was following the Christian faith when he staged the Spanish Inquisition, put it that way. I mean, like I've often said, folks, I'm personally not a very religious-minded person. I don't follow any religion, but the Muslims that I have met have been some of the kindest, most generous, most wonderful people I've ever met. And when I see the amount of rhetoric that's being directed at these people, completely unwarranted, when everything that has been directed at them seems to be in direct violation to the actual religion, then, well, I'm just forced to say something because it's just gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. And you can't honestly stand by and just allow these types of lies and disinformation to be spread around the globe to such a ridiculous degree as we're seeing because it's only going to lead to bad things and indeed it already has led to bad things we've seen so many people killed under false pretenses you know the entire arab world has been decimated under false pretenses even the false pretense which started it all which was 9-11 the biggest false flag in history which has Israeli fingerprints all over it all of it has led to this point and it's about time people stood up and paid attention because it's coming to a town near you folks things are really escalating out of control and it's about time we stood up and did something about it The question is what do we do well it's got to start with public awareness ladies and gentlemen so That's what you can do out there. You can spread information with your neighbours, even if you just share these radio shows or something. Just do something, folks. Get the word out to people to take the blinders off. Help people see things a little bit more objectively, or at least look at things a little bit more objectively, so they're able to make their minds up for themselves. That's the problem, is that people swallow the opinions of the newsreaders, and they take those opinions on as their own. This is a lot of what the television does. This is the alpha state that television sets up when it broadcasts to people. It puts people in like a dream state, almost a hypnotic state, where they are open to suggestion, and then it instills opinions into them. And most people's opinions are not their own. They are the opinions of the newsreaders. And most people's opinions of global situations are based on very little factual information because they've never really taken the time to look for themselves. They've just swallowed what the television has told them. And that's where you can make a difference. And that's where all of us can make a difference. That's where I can make a difference. That's why I do what I do, folks, because 
I think it's important for people to look at things from a broader perspective than the one that the mainstream media presents them with. And with what's happening in the world today, the time for people to look at things from a broader perspective has never been more important. It's really, really important that people do step back and look at things. It's really important that people see the bigger picture and not just swallow the rhetoric that they're fed by the media. You've got to always ask yourself who benefits, folks. When you look at the global situation, there's no way the Arab world benefits from anything we're being told the Arab world is doing. The only people who benefit from what is going on in the Arab world at the moment are those who support the Greater Israel Project because that's always been what it was about. That's what 9-11 was about. It wasn't just about a war against the Arabs. It's about decimating the whole Muslim faith and creating a wedge between the religions. And the way it's being done is it's supporting the greater Israel plan, but it's impoverishing the Christian nations at the same time. So both the Muslim world and the Christian world are being destroyed in order to support this Zionist ideology. That's exactly what's going on. And this isn't anti-Semitic, ladies and gentlemen. This is simply stepping back and putting things on a global stage, connecting the dots and figuring out that one and one equals two. That's really all it's about. And we need to pay attention to this, folks, because we could have a peaceful world. There's no reason for all of these wars to be raging across the planet. There's no reason for anybody to be in a state of hardship anywhere on this planet there's no reason for anyone to be in a state of poverty. There's no reason for us to be continuing to support this economic model. There's no reason for us to be continuing to support all of these wars and all of the destruction that's being meted out to the people of the world. Because ultimately what it's really all about is depopulation and control. It's not about bringing freedom to anyone. It's not about bringing prosperity to anyone. It's not about keeping anybody safe. It's about destroying any opposition to this system and locking down those that are left within a control grid that they will never escape from. Personally, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get away with it. But I just wonder how many of my brothers and sisters are going to have to suffer and continue to suffer until the people of the world notice what's going on. I mean, what's going on in, in Gaza now is, is even more out of control. Don't take your eyes off that, folks, because it's still ongoing. President Sisi of Egypt is now in the process of destroying homes in Rafah on the Egyptian side because he wants to create a 300-metre buffer zone between any buildings in Rafah and the Gaza border. This is, of course, due to the recent attack on the al checkpoint, which was probably Israel or General Sisi himself. It wouldn't surprise me if he'd set this up himself. He's just not a nice guy. But they're doing everything they can to completely isolate the Gaza Strip, folks, and it's just ongoing. I was actually supposed to be in there this month, but I got extremely ill with meningitis and I don't recommend that to anybody that's why I didn't do a show last week I was actually down for the count with meningitis I quite literally nearly died a couple of weeks ago folks I'm quite lucky to be here talking to you today and I'm still actually quite far from well I'm only at about 35% of what I really should be at the moment so excuse me if I've been a little vague on the show today 
but that did prevent me from going into Gaza Strip. But had I gone in there, there was a major attack at Ellery's checkpoint. There were 33 people killed, and the whole Sinai has been locked down as a result, and Rafah crossing has been closed by Egypt indefinitely. So had I gone to Gaza, I would now be trapped in there. But it's getting harder and harder to get into Gaza Strip. And, of course, Israel has broken the ceasefire against the people of Gaza every single day since the truce was declared. Of course, they're doing so hoping for a response from Hamas so they can cry victim and go in and carpet bomb the place again. But we're just all hoping that's not going to happen. And the only thing that's going to prevent it is if public attention stays squarely on Gaza Strip. We've got to realise a lot of what's going on in the Middle East is to distract from what's happening in Gaza and it's to distract from the implosion of the State of Israel. They've really got to cook up this Muslim menace, folks, to make sure they can justify the continued existence of Israel. But I don't think Israel will continue to exist for much longer. I think it's going to bring about its own implosion. I think it's revealed itself to the world now and I think it's just revealing itself more and more as the days go on. I think people are waking up to the fact that there's no way ISIS, ISIL is supporting Muslim interests and that the only ones who are benefiting from this is the West. And I think people are realising that it's not Muslim extremists that are behind this at all. It's Israel who is behind this. It's certainly not Muslim extremists. If there are any type of religious extremists behind it at all, then it's more likely Christian extremists such as the head of Blackwater or Z or whatever it's called now, Eric Prince, who is a fundamental Christian extremist who has done untold damage through Iraq, the murder of over 1.6 million people in Iraq so far. And bear in mind, folks, that every person who has died in the Iraq war, these have not been victims of war. These have been murder victims because the war in Iraq is an illegal war. It was a war that was started under false pretenses. It is based on a lie. It is a war of aggression. It always has been. It wasn't to protect the world from Saddam's weapons of mass destruction, and it wasn't to free the Iraqi people. It was to murder the Iraqi people and to steal the resources of their country. And every victim of that war is a murder victim, as is every victim of the overthrow of Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. Both these wars are blatant crimes against humanity, as is the situation in Gaza Strip. That's the thing with Gaza, folks. It's not just a crime against the Palestinian people. It's a crime against humanity. And it's ongoing, and it will continue to be ongoing until we, the people of the world, rein our rogue governments in and inject a little sanity into the global situation. And sanity is certainly something that we will not get from our governments because those who populate our governments are psychopaths. These people are quite literally and quite obviously insane. And I say that because it is the only thing that can explain the current global situation. But there are things that each of us can do in our own respective communities. Of course, the most important thing we can do is to lead by example in all that we do and to ask the right questions at the right time in front of as many people as we can in as public a manner as possible, in as eloquent a manner as possible, in a polite a manner as possible. But we must ask the hard questions. We must spread information to people 
and we must pay attention to the global situation. Now always ask the question, who benefits? When you see anything in the news, folks, always ask the question, who benefits? I mean, sure, there's going to be little things that happen, little crimes that are committed by little people every day, but when you see something major happen, rest assured it's happening because it was planned to happen. Because there's nothing major on this planet that isn't done by design. It's all part of a higher scheme. It always is. If it's major, then it's planned to be that way. And it's important that you look at things from that perspective. And it's important that you step back and view things holistically and not just toe the party line and jump on whatever bandwagon comes down the street first. You know, the media will always whitewash over the issue, it will always spread disinformation and it will always make sure whatever situation arises is moulded to fit a certain political agenda. The way they did with 9-11, the way they did with the recent failed rocket launch. They simply jump on any opportunity they can to make whatever news story they can find fit the political agenda. But once you become aware of it and you begin to see how they do this on every single occasion, then eventually you can read between the lines and you can see what's really being said and you can see how public opinion is being moulded and you can begin to ask yourself why. What agenda does it serve? And then when you step back, you begin to see the agenda. And that's something that everybody can realise. I mean, if you really step back and look at our political situation, look at the situation we were in in our countries 20 years ago, look at the direction it was going, and notice how it's continued along the same direction. Regardless of who we vote in, things always continue along the same direction because there's a higher hand that controls things. It isn't the governments. The governments are simply puppets. Governments are put there to appease the people while the world is moulded around them and their wealth is harvested from them. Their time is harvested from them. Their lives are harvested from them. That's all government is. Government is simply an appeasement mechanism. Government is put there so we can put a new face on the coin every few years. Government is there to provide us with the illusion of choice, the illusion that we can actually participate and make a difference in the political process. But government is simply a collection of corporate puppets. It's what's behind the government that actually pulls the strings. And what's behind the government is the global financial system. That's what pulls the strings. The money is the glue that holds the whole mechanism together. Control of the money system, the rise and fall of various currencies is what controls the global situation. If any country wants to do anything that may interfere with this, then it's very easy to bring about economic sanctions against the country or to simply devalue its currency. And this is what's been done on more than one occasion, many, many times in the past. And everybody's always so concerned about the economy and people are discarded in order to support the economic model. Everything has an economic value and yet the economy is fiction. It's just numbers on a screen. And as I've said many times in the past, our continued support for a system based in permanent economic growth can only have one result, and that is the discarding of all life on this planet and the rendering of this planet into 
a state where it is incapable of supporting human life. That can be the only possible outcome of our continued support for this economic system. And that's another reason why we have to stand up and pay attention. But again, when people wake up to this fact, they don't know what to do. That's the big problem. And even with me coming on here and saying, you've got to stand up and make a difference, you've got to get out there and get involved, people just don't know what to do. And as I've said so often in the past, folks, what you've got to do is break down the barriers in your community. You've got to get to know people. You've got to become friends with people. We have to have a strong communal response to the actions of our government. And that's only going to come from a community that respects itself. And this only comes from people who respect themselves. And most of what causes us not to respect ourselves and those around us is because we judge ourselves according to economic and social parameters, which are not our own. You know, everything's based in economics, and we're often too busy running on the treadmill to ever have time to pay attention to those around us. And we tend to view people as commodities. We tend to view people as how we may gain from our friendship with these people, because our life is based in economics. It's all about money. We've got to be collecting this stuff all the time. And so we tend to form relationships which further our economic value or further our social standing or further our business agenda it's very rarely to do with friendship well sometimes it is but most of the time these days we base our relationships on economic or social positioning and that's very unfortunate as well but again it's a result of this system it's just because we're trained to think that way but if we can break out of that mindset and get back to real human values then we have a chance of getting out of this mess. You know, really, when you look at it, folks, you look at the whole situation in the Middle East, the whole ISIS situation, the whole Ebola scare, the only thing that's going to break us out of this as well is getting back to real human values, seeing beyond the veil, seeing beyond what is offered to us by the media, seeing beyond the lies and rhetoric that is presented to us by government seeing beyond the excuses they provide us as to why we need to go and kill more people in more foreign countries. And even with ISIS, folks, this is supposed to be this rampant terrorist organization that's just running wild everywhere, and they're going to go and bomb Syria. Well, where are they bombing? Where is ISIS? Where are they? Which houses are they in? How do they know where these people are? They don't. They just go in and bomb suburb after suburb and kill civilian after civilian and just keep going in the hope that maybe they'll get a terrorist somewhere along the line. It's like when they give people chemotherapy for cancer. Chemotherapy just kills cells. It kills every cell it can find. They just hope that it kills more cancer cells than other cells and that you survive. That seems to be the way we deal with these so-called terrorist groups. We just go in and bomb an entire country willy-nilly and hope that we get a few of them along the way. Look at the recent drone strikes in Pakistan. 49 civilians killed for every one suspected terrorist. And this is not a confirmed terrorist. This is a suspected terrorist. We're actually getting one in 50. So 49 people are killed. 49 innocent people are killed, exterminated, murdered by the West, murdered by Obama in order to kill one person who may be suspected of terrorism. 
And what is terrorism these days, folks? Well, according to the parameters that are presented to us by our governments, a terrorist is anyone who doesn't toe the party line, anyone who questions the government agenda, and anyone who fights back when they are faced with terrorism from government sources. If you fight back against anything government does, you're a terrorist. The government can come and inflict the worst kind of terrorism on anybody it likes, and anybody who fights back against this terrorism is classed as a terrorist. And the media is, of course, only too happy to jump on board. We really have to do something about these corrupt institutions, folks. I'm really sick of being lied to by public servants. I'm really sick of being lied to by a corrupt and controlled media. And I'm sick of warmongering little dweebs like Tony Abbott doing everything they can to destroy their countries. And it's not just Tony Abbott, it's also Barack Obama, David Cameron, Stephen Harper. All of these cretins are doing everything they can to destroy their countries and enslave their populations. And I think it's about time we called them out, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what I'm doing, and that's why I do these shows. And for me, the gloves have come off, folks. It's time to really call a spade a spade and name these people for what they are. They're all lunatics, psychopaths, and warmongers, and I think we could do far better with honest people at the helm rather than the current crop of criminals who we seem to have in seats of power in all of our countries. I think we've reached the end of the show here, folks, so that is it for me this week. Thank you to anybody who's ever made a contribution to thecrowhouse.com. They are very few and far between at the moment. If you can make one, it would be a huge help to me at the moment. I really could do with some support, so please do consider making a contribution to The Crow House. But that is it for me, folks. I will look forward to speaking to you again next week. Please take good care until then. In luck, Cash. Enough room to cram the drums in the corner over Baba Dodge. It was a 54 with a mashed-up door and a cheesy little lamp. With a sign on the front that Fender Champ and a second-hand guitar. It was a Stratocaster with a whammy bar. We could jam and joke the ride. Mama was screaming, turn it down. We were playing the same old song. In the afternoon, and sometimes we were playing all night long. It was all we knew.
Organic Sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different with all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added. Their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company, but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. And a, a 
guest tonight, uh, Joey Lawrence, that is doing aquaponic gardening. Now, we're a little disappointed because we thought we were all going to get invited over for that fresh salad tonight, but he's still working out some of his plumbing, so he isn't quite up and running yet, so I guess we'll have to wait on that salad. But anyway, um, it should be an interesting show if you've got questions for him. He's been planning and researching and doing this for a long time, and you can tell it's his passion. Uh, I know a little bit about it, so we're going to let him help us all learn. Joe, are you there? Okay. I guess we're... Hey, are uh, you there, Joe? I wouldn't mind talking. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Frank, but give me a call. I wouldn't mind talking to you, too, sir. I don't know if uh, David told you a little bit about my background, but uh, I think we might have a lot. It's just that time, my friend. What do you... Well, if you have a few minutes, I'd love chatting with you. Are you there, Joe? Hey, David. Yeah, we're on here. Everybody, everybody just heard you sign off with Frank because we're live. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. There's a little bit of a delay. Hey, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not late to the party. Hello, America. How y'all? No, doing? you're you're doing good. Welcome. I just told everybody that uh, we were expecting to be invited over for that salad, but that you're still working out some plumbing issues. So I guess the salad well, dinner will have to wait. <laughs> Plumbing issues. That oh, that doesn't sound good right off the bat, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this is Joe Lawrence. And, uh, Joe, first tell us hey. uh, a, a little bit about you and what got you interested in aquaponic gardening. Well, I'm pretty boring. I'll tell you that right off the bat. But uh, I needed something pretty low stress, Dave. You know my background. So uh, I I got out of a pretty stressful corporate situation, and I enjoyed I you know just enjoy farming. I mean that's a natural thing. I think everybody should enjoy farming at some point, right? Or at least check it out. I mean you've always grown plants, so this is a little different concept. You know I was uh, I was digging around in the ancient uh, agricultural technology vault uh, earlier, and you know it's it's nothing new. This has uh, been in use actually. Uh, the Egyptians were using it some you know, 2,000 plus years ago. So when you look at it, I mean, it makes sense. And this is just a new way of doing it. So what got, what got you interested in it? Well, I always had an interest in, uh, in agricultural stuff. You know, I tried growing a few things, but I was doing the old school. I was putting it in the ground. And it just never, never took off. One thing or the other, you know, is either just poor soil, uh, you know, quality of the soil, Maybe a few bugs got in there. Uh, you know, a couple times it had good stuff growing and it was it was blossoming, and then we had a lot of rain and it flooded. So you're always fighting that that battle. So this hopefully will resolve a lot of those. And I was listening to last week's show, and you're talking about that. You, you mentioned the uh, pesticides in the food, and you know, and, and the GMOs. I mean, all of that comes into play. So uh, yeah, I wanted a healthy food supply for myself. You know. And, I think this is one of the better ways to go about it. It's, it's a little bit more of a, it's a unique approach to traditional farming, like I said. Well, two things. One, yeah. uh, explain why you chose aqua over hydra and, and tell the audience the difference between aquaponic and hydroponic. Okay, okay. Well, uh, hydroponic, which you've probably heard before, uh, that's the use of, uh, I wouldn't say synthetic, 
chemicals or chemicals in general. And I know there are plenty of experts out there that know a whole lot more than me. Uh, but it's it's uh, just water circulated through the plants. You know, you have a special light for it. But it's a, sem- uh, a solvent, and uh, it's not as natural as the fish side of it, which which is what I'm looking at, I guess, like I said. Uh, but with that, you know, you can actually, you, you know, you can use fish just to produce, you know, what would eventually become nutrients for the plants. And you can grow things as well, like, uh, well, in the fish you can raise, you know, you can raise, like we were talking about yesterday, you got the uh, freshwater crabs or uh, freshwater uh, prawns and stuff like that. So, you know, you can do both. You can grow plants, herbs, you know, traditional stuff, stuff that you could grow on the ground with the exception of a few, you know, soil-based uh, plants, ones that, you know, like carrots that grow under the soil. There's still a little bit of development there, but I mean, pretty much everything else grows above ground and the root system, boom, it's right there. So you can do both. The hydroponics, kind of, again, it's yeah. just, yeah. What kind of medium do you, do they put in those pots? Like I've seen in some of the aquaponic tanks where the plants mm-hmm. sit on top, the, the fish feed the plants, and the plants feed the fish, but it looks like they're mm-hmm. sitting in a medium. What, what kind of a medium is the plant sitting in? Okay. Well, you got a couple of varieties. Um, think of small pebbles that you see pretty much uh, rounding the trees on a well-landscaped lawn. You know, a lot of these resources are right there and reusable. Uh, a couple of them, like that when I was digging around, um, Colorado Riverstone, uh, small pebbles, about a quarter of an inch, and it's easy for the, you know, the root base to dig down into it. You know, you can use that. There are special clay pebbles that you can order. Um, some of the stuff you do have to order online, and I mean, it's not easily accessible, but that's why I mentioned stuff, you know, like the Colorado Riverstone and, 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 and that, because you can go down to Lowe's and find a lot of this stuff. It's not really a difficult, you know, high-tech, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> well, that makes I mean. good sense, because there was a German scientist uh, back in the 20s, and one of the things he discovered, the farmers in Germany were having a terrible time getting things to grow, and when they grew, they didn't have a lot of nutrients. And he found out that by crushing gravel, the kind of stone you're talking about from the riverbeds and stuff, mm. it put it put the trace minerals and the minerals back in the depleted soil, and they had great mm. crops. Fantastic, yeah. And, uh, you know, if, uh, you know uh, something like rusty nails, they could naturally, you know, uh, have... Some uh, some uh, the uh, the rust you know is a natural the iron I'm sorry I drew a blank oh, I found some of the media based crow beds that you're just asking about I, I went through all my stuff there and like I said I was digging around I had a lot of research that can be done and I as mentioned yesterday that's one thing that one obstacle and if you want to get started in this you can start small and you can go big you can go as big as as you can imagine. There are some things out there that are just fascinating because right now there's a real need for good food. You know, that's GMO free. That's uh, easily accessible because a lot of communities, you know, they're 50 miles from a good grocery store. And, you know, getting back to the GMOs and the spraying and the pesticides, I mean, that's all involved. It all comes together. But, you know, gravel is a very simple 
um, medium that you can grow in. You know, there's there's different kinds. It can the plant actually in in some cases, okay, it grows directly into this medium bed that you have, okay, uh, and in some instances the plants can float above the water, just you know where the roots are dangling into the water, getting the nutrients out and filtering it for the fish. And again, you know, it's a complete cycle. I don't know if I explain that completely, but you know, again, it's a small thing. You can do a very simple project at home, and I kind of have uh, some ideas. I mean, if you wanted to listen to them, because yeah, you can go out right tomorrow probably and get everything you need locally. And uh, now, what's do a little, the difference hmm. between doing it in the house and what you would set up outside? Is there any difference in the kind of gardening? Hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, inside you've, you've got climate controlled. You know, most people obviously have air conditioning, and it's usually a filtered system. Uh, outside, you can do something very simple in the yard: uh, build a deck, raise your tanks, um, have your float beds or your deep water culture beds, and your medium beds. And there's so many different things. I, I really encourage people to go out there. I, I'm not an expert in yet, yet. But it's so fascinating. It's like it just draws you in, and I think it really, really has a benefit. So I, I recommend everybody does it. Don't just listen to me. I'm not selling a product. All I'm doing is talking about a fantastic idea. If I had a great stock, I knew it was going to make a million bucks. I'd love, you know, I think people would love to hear that. But no, this is something I think everybody needs, and nobody should have, you know, the struggle to eat. You know, it's crazy. I, you know, these are good times, actually, you know. I mean, people still have jobs, and stores are still running 24-7, but, you know, think, well, of, I think, think of what might hmm? I think it's great that you, uh, for a long time, you've been talking about this, and uh, yeah, yeah, we must now that you finally got, got into it, it sounds like it's going to take off great. What kind of crops are you planning on growing when you first start up? Oh, great, great idea. You know, there's there's things you can do. I mean, it, 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 there's the research part of it. You know, I mean, there's things, obviously, you can grow that you like, you know, stuff that you eat on a regular basis. I mean, what are you buying at the store when you go to the store? You know, you can grow a lot of that stuff at home. Uh, what I recommend, what I'm thinking about it, is if you have access to seeds, start, you know, accumulating seeds. Even if, if you don't get to plant them right away, just get them. Get them while you still can. You know, the Internet is still doing business and you can still get access to a lot of that research this it's called aquaponics now depending on where you are you know one thing i wanted to mention i mean it's all over the country it's just people aren't really talking about it you know but it's such a great idea people can do this very very simply you know right in your house you don't need a huge you know space anymore and that's the beauty of it um a couple of systems i was talking about you know already in use i mean people are out there you just got to find them (laughs) And they're doing simple things. It doesn't take, you know, a ton of money to do it. But I think everybody should do it because uh, you might need it one day. Um, anyway, some of the things you can grow. Now, David, I'm doing some of the research, you know, still in that phase. And, you know, all that paperwork we were talking about uh, the other day. But, you know, you want to find a market, you know, depending on where you are, you know, what do people need? Besides, of course, what you need. And like I just mentioned, you know, you talk to people. Um, turns out, you know, it's... I love doing this now since I have some free time on my hands, but just when I'm out, you know, I see my neighbor coming home, I go talk to him. And I've got some great neighbors, as it turns out, man. It's from, <laughs> turns out to be a really small world. It really puts that to uh, to point there. That is, that's a beautiful saying. But some of the plants that I was thinking about, of course, for ourselves uh, that we like and would make a nice salad. But 
think of uh, like a niche that you would find. And I'm looking at, I got a C package, and it's got 15 different um, heirloom tomato plants. And I just happen to have the package right. Ah, yeah. Right over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because one of the, one of the uh, seeds on there is called a mortgage lifter. Mortgage lifter. Interesting. This, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. This goes back to the Depression age. And this guy well, basically paid his... Know, uh, what Joe was yeah. talking about in the way of heirloom, heirloom means mm-hmm. handed down from generation to generation, seed to seed, without any pesticides and all that stuff. So heirloom is like a really premium tomato. That, that's a fabulous thing to grow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can grow strawberries, uh, what do you get, or, uh, yeah, strawberries actually a really good uh, plant to grow, and, and there, like I said, there are some pretty well-established farms um, here locally that I know of, and I'm going to talk about a little bit later, not to mention by name, but, uh, you know, I think we, people really need to get involved in, at, a, at a local level, because you've got so much around you, and, you know, Walmart might not be running 24-7, so I recommend you, you know, get to know these people now, yeah, absolutely. Are, are you talking about local hy- uh, hydro and aquaponic farms? Oh, yeah. No, full-on aquaponic farms. Uh, I don't know any hydroponic uh, farms. I mean, there, there are probably some, but I, I do know of a couple of restaurants, actually, uh, because you can put this anywhere. And with the hydroponics, they're using um, the roof of a restaurant in Chicago. And he's growing all his own stuff. And, you know, before before dinner time, you know, chef goes up and he, and he picks what he needs for the night. And, you know, these are fresh, fresh right off the, right off the uh, tree, so to speak. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of time, I guess, involved with just harvesting the crop. And it looked like he had an abundance. It was amazing. It was really amazing. So there's just, you know, so many different things out there. But you'd be surprised once you start scratching the surface, you know, and, and looking around how much is actually around you. But I recommend people do that and look and see what some of these farms uh, are growing. Now, like I said, I know aquaponic farms, but no hydroponic farms. And I think people just do that more kind of uh, maybe as a hobby in their, in their house and stuff like that. But, again, I, I'm not an expert on hydroponics. I'm more the aquaponics. Yeah, well, I think it's the hydroponic, like you said, too many of them seem to be using chemical stuff, but I think you could probably figure out how to use some natural stuff and do something like that, too. Now, the places that you know that are aquaponic, is it a pretty big operation? Oh, yeah, sure. I don't know if you get on uh, Google Earth every so often, but uh, sure, you can find a lot of stuff uh, out there and fly over, and you can see they've got some pretty elaborate setups. Um, some here, you know, actually have products, you know, in our local markets down here. You know, I think there's, uh, I think they're in Randall's and I think HEB in their organic section. Oh, which I was listening to last week's show and you mentioned that I had a, had a follow-up question on that too. But, uh, you know, and, and like I mentioned earlier too, it's all over the country. So you have some pretty well-established farms that are serving, you know, a northeastern part of the country or something like that or south-central region or stuff like that. You know, I mean, it, it's everywhere, and it's offered in the universities, and, you know, there are programs out there and, and whatnot. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing all, all, the way around, all the way around, definitely. Now, the, the aquaponic products you're talking about in the stores, does it tell you when you go through that produce section that this was grown on an aquaponic farm? Hmm. Good question, Dave. How, how no, I think, uh, 
How would we know? That's a good question. That's a good question. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Um, I think with the labeling from some of the farms, I did see that this was maybe grown in a aquaponic system. I'm not oh, okay. sure, but I, I remember faintly seeing that. Um, and you're, you're making me remember of something, um, you know, now that you have the plants and the packaging has come so far, you can get the plant with the roots still slightly submerged in the water. So you can go home and you still have a, you know, basically a living plant right, right out of the tank, so to speak. It's great. They've really done a wonderful job. And I know, you know, and they have access of course to all their, their marketing needs. So, Hey, that's something I'll put on my label when I get there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Growing I, I like that. Farm. Yeah. Well, what it sounds yeah. too, it, it sounds like a lot of this is pretty easy to start up, especially if you start small scale. And and yeah, I like yeah. simple. I think most people are going to try it if it's more simple to do. It's a good weekend project, you know. If uh, maybe you want to do something with kids, um, you can get an IBC tank for hundred bucks, cut it in half, flip it, fill the top with gravel. You got a straight pipe that, grow, that goes from the top to the bottom, David. There's a pump that cycles the water from the fish tank below, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going. It's a beautiful thing. It's really simple. You know, you can get a, a simple system like that that takes 24 hours to build. And like I said, research, get on YouTube. Man, there's some beautiful projects out there that people have put together. You know, you can't. I can't even you know tell you about all of them due to the you know length of the program because. There's just so many of them out there. People are doing it because um, it's so fun, I guess. It's it's really easy to do. And anybody can now, do it, I think. Anybody can do it. Now, how much space is yours going to take up when you get it all set up? Well, I have a, a you know a small window unit over about a 50-gallon tank that I'm working on. I have one single IBC tank set up like I was talking about. So and then I have that? a side-by-side. The, the IBC tank? That, which is uh, it's like a shipping container. It's uh, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't clarify on that. Um, you know, they use it for transporting like uh, commercial grade liquids, maybe for uh, a company that uses oils a lot. You know, and they just go through a ton of oil. It holds about 275 to 300 gallons of water. Um, so that's a lot of water. And like I said, you get one of those. And I found some for uh, they're under 100 bucks. I got. I think I got three of them. I got the three of them for about two hundred and forty dollars. So I made them what eighty dollars a piece. Yep, that's it. I know some guys up here too. So uh, you'd be surprised too. And I found them on Craigslist. Decent guy. The good business. Haven't had any problems. But uh, yeah, bought three. So I made one a single unit, like I just explained. You know, and then you have two side by side, which puts out has a little bit more output. It's almost like a. Twin engine turbocharger, you know. <laughs> Get the food growing, man. Hurry up. So what hey, you do is you've got, you've got them in half, and one side is for the fish, and one side is for the medium and the plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just up on the top. It's uh, like I said. You, you imagine cutting it in half. The, the top half of it is only about twelve inches, twelve to yeah, about twelve inches there. So you'd measure that from the bottom of the tank. Uh, you know, I had a lot of pictures for your uh, for your radio listeners, David, but I uh, I guess that's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? <laughs> Why? Well, no, I'm kidding. We got uh, 
I found that with the plants too. That, uh, that I mentioned the tomatoes that I was going to look at, but here's some other other plants that you can uh, you can grow. Um, you, know, you got arugula, uh, mustard greens, baby kale, spinach, very popular. Uh, all your varieties of different lettuces. Uh, your salad greens and stuff like that. You know, stuff that you're paying for at the store already. I mean, you can really get this growing and let it, like wildfire, you're going to be, you almost have too much. It's almost where you're going to have to invite your neighbors over to have salad with you. Uh, bok choy is real popular. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't oblige on that salad tonight, Dave. So, Are well, we're there? looking for, get it ready. We'll be there. Yeah, uh, give it some time though, because yeah, like I mentioned yesterday when we were talking, uh, you know, it, it takes time, and I'm still in that transition period. Um, I got a lot of projects going on right now. This is one of them though, but it's it's my hobby project, um, and I'm, I kind of consider it a hobby farm, you know, and it's something to keep you busy, keep your hands moving, uh, keep your brain stimulated. I've got a couple things cooking, and yeah. It's- if, you never know when a hurricane's going to hit and the power's out in the whole 100, 200 mile radius, and you can't get anything at your grocery store. If you can grow your own stuff, you'll have fresh food, and that's pretty important for survival. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and you can have your canned goods and your your meals. Uh, those are great, but yeah, you know, the body needs living food. To eat. You know, I think it just helps, and it's going to help. And I, you know, eventually, when the organic or the or the packaged food does run out, I mean, you're going to have to have a backup, and it doesn't take long to get it going. That's the beauty of it. And you don't really have to wait on the season, uh, you know, and all the the labor that goes in it. Like I said, you get the one small unit close to a window that gets good sunlight. Uh, I've got mine. I, I put it on wheels. I'm, I'm <laughs> I like to move things around. So this is just something on wheels, and uh, I can move it around. As the sun changes, I can move it to a different room. Um, that's the 50-gallon uh, tank. Then you got the single IBC again, which is the 275. That's going to go outside, all right? And I'm thinking of putting in like a little area, just closing in the patio and have a little greenhouse, which is something I also recommend. I mean, take stock of what you got now. I know you got your storage and stuff, but, hey, this is something that um, you can easily do. Putting putting uh, a couple of things over here easily convert this into a little greenhouse over here. And now the other ones, the two big tanks, the two big tanks, which is going to make probably about 500 gallons altogether. That's going to actually go outside. I'm going to have a little spot off in the uh, in the yard, and I'll eventually cover it and make it a small greenhouse. Probably get to that, you know, around January. Yeah. Oh, you come over definitely. I'll have you over. I might I might need some help once in a while, right? Have one in the house and two large ones outside. Yes, sir. There you go. And I always make things to where I can move them if I have to. All right. I mean, yeah, I like. I've never heard of a garden on wheels. I like that idea. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I always hope for the best, but you know, kind of plan for the worst. You never know. You yeah. never know. Well, and then but you can always sell right off the cart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of people in the neighborhood that, uh, like I said, my neighbors, and i got a couple of young men out, you know, that uh, just don't have a lot to do. And, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. They don't have a lot of skills 
manual skills. You know, they're just in that service industry job. And yeah, I'm just at that point, Dave, and you, and you mentioned it. And I know I didn't answer it at the very beginning where, where I'm kind of coming from, but, you know, if you take stock in your local neighborhood and as you're talking to people, you find out a lot like about them, obviously. Yeah. Well, hang, hang on there, be, Joe, and everybody hang on. We'll, we'll be back. We're going to take a short commercial break and come back and talk more about aquaponics. We'll see you in a minute. you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. You just 
just defended yourself with a gun. The police are called and you're potentially involved in a homicide, but it was self-defense. At this point, you are not in your right mind. No one ever is when they are in fear for their life and defend themselves. Anything you say can and will be used in a court of law, both civilly and criminally. Fortunately, you have SelfDefenseFund.com. We are the National Association for Legal Gun Defense, and we protect our members nationally in all 50 states, up to $1 million per incident per member. Let us do the talking for you and visit SelfDefenseFund.com. Any weapon, any state, any time. Natural Health Hour. I am your host, Dr. Krupa, and we are broadcasting on American Voice Radio Network. If you have any questions for Joe on uh, uh, aquaponics or any questions at all or any suggestions, please call in. The number is 1-800-932-1980. And we're going to go back to our guest, Joe. Are you there? Hey, I am, David. In fact, during the break, I was looking. Remember last week, we were talking about the uh, GMO labeling. And I found one of those canisters with that on there. What partially produced with genetic engineering. What does that even mean? (laughs) How do you do that in a liquid? What's going on here? Another one of my motivations to get into that farming, I tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that means they're trying to kill you slowly, and they don't want to really say that, so they, they word it around the block. Yeah. You know, it's it's sad. You and I talked about this a little bit, and that's what's neat about the aquaponic gardening is it's going to be all natural. Uh, they, many of these people think GMO is perfectly healthy, and your body's too stupid to know natural from man-altered, chemically synthesized, yeah. messed-up foods. And uh, the same people push bioidentical hormones, and they think the body's too stupid to notice. Now, um, with with aquaponics, you and I were talking for a lot of people to understand this system operates every day and you don't think about it in the rivers Mm -hmm. and the lakes and the ocean and uh, those plants do fabulous and it's a very I guess you'd say symbiotic relationship between the plants and uh, the creatures that are in the lake and the rivers and the ocean so Mm -hmm. somebody you said it went back to the to the ancient Egyptians they must have figured out how to do it on their own yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I wasn't there. I'm not that old, but you know, you mentioned uh, it happening every day. I mean, what you see all the fish kills and uh, all the poisonings that are going on. I mean, uh, what the Fukushima, the radiation from that. I heard that reached the West Coast. So, you know, the the food system is being attacked at every you know turn. It's amazing, and you might not have anything left in a couple of years at this rate. 
Well, yeah, and I like what you said. Uh, we're a big supporter of Numana Foods, uh, and they also mm. support our show. But it is because they're doing everything natural, and they use the term Numana, like manna from the food from heaven. But as you said, it's important to have some live food also, yeah. not just yeah. freeze-dried or, or frozen, but to have some live food because there's some things from live food that we can only get from live food. This is true. And, you know, I, you just made me think of it. Remember the old Victory Gardens we used to have back in, you know, during World War II? Think of it that way. You know, every every uh, household was given seeds and, you know, I wouldn't say mandated, but it was highly recommended, obviously, to have your own garden. I mean, that, what, 50, 60 years ago, maybe a little bit longer now, right? But you know what I'm saying? It's like we need to get back to that kind of thinking again. We need to get a little bit more back to our roots, no pun intended. <laughs> you mentioned your uh, seed packet. Uh, who's the company that you like for getting seeds? If anybody would like to do that, well, there's so many of them out there, and I'm, you know, I'm not uh, endorsing anybody. Um, but where did I get these guys from? This was Heirloom Organics. These are the uh, non-hybrid seeds. I just found these through, you know, uh, researching on the internet. You know, you're going to find a ton of stuff. So give yourself a couple hours. I just made a folder, separated, you know, what was what looked good. And, you know, over time, you start to see a pattern with, uh, you know, some seed prices are a little bit more, and you can buy them in bulk and, you know, maybe get a little bit less. But you always focus on, like, what you're talking about, the heirloom, you know, the non-GMO seeds. Those are the ones that uh, are, are the uh, better, again, non-GMO seeds. What, what can you say about that? They haven't been altered, haven't been twisted you never know, but uh, that's one. And you know, there's like I said, there's a ton of them out there. You can probably find some locally, uh, right around the corner. I don't recommend right. the ones from like the big, the big box stores. Uh, I know they have the labeling on there, kind of answering your question earlier. They can, I guess they can put whatever they want on their, uh, their labels. And like the bottle here that I'm looking at, I won't mention the name brand. But uh, if you listen to last week's show, we're talking about it. Partially produced with genetic engineering. It's so hard to avoid it, David. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Again, that was another motivation to get into the into the farming. You know, got to think small, but act in a big way. That's we just we just had a question. Uh, they'd oh, like good. us to explain the difference between GMO, hybrid, and heirloom. So I'll, I'll do my best at that, and you help me out any way you see fit here, Joe. Uh, heirloom okay, okay. Is, 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 is traditionally all natural. You could call it organic, whatever you want, but it's all natural. And from the from the plants of the fruit grown, that is, is regrown, and it's just kind of a, a, a trail from way back that same plant, the same tomatoes that just followed on down and handed down from generation to generation. And so right. that's the best way to go, whether it's an heirloom plant or an heirloom turkey or chicken, those things are the, the best of the best. Now, hybrid right. where people get in and, and can mix things. They can take plants 
and and right. crossbreed and get one kind of tomato bred with another kind of tomato and come out with something totally, I guess you'd say, not totally man-made because nature gets involved in that, but it's not something that was naturally found in nature. And then GMO yeah. is genetically modified. That's that's you might as well go to the factory and and kick it out the door because they take things and science and engineering alters it. Perfect example is the rapeseed plant that's used to make canola oil. Well, yeah, that is pretty toxic and tastes terrible and so they genetically modified it and now they claim that they have a canola plant that is no longer a rapeseed plant and canola just stands for Canada and oil so you can see that man can get involved and do some pretty stupid stuff where hybrid you're just mixing two kind of plants and letting them do what they're going to do but ge genetically modified is sometimes somewhere is doing things that aren't natural and the body knows the difference. Help me out anywhere in there you want, Joe. David, you got all the key points on there. One thing, um, just to add, you know, with the uh, heirloom seeds, you know, when you harvest a crop, you can take that seed and reuse it next year. You know, some of these plants that are modified, the plant is made sterile. You know, you can't get a good seed from it anymore. That's, yeah, plus that's I don't want to eat that stuff anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the body's like, whoa, what's going on here? And they don't have You're any long-term, uh, yeah, they don't have any long-term research. And just FYI, I mean, you made me think of this too, the, um, over in Europe, it's all outlawed. They can't have genetically modified foods. It's going to destroy people because it's very bad for them. Mm. Well, that's okay. Just go get some Obamacare. You'll be fine. Yeah. I'm Crickets. trying to look over here. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Oh, well, now, hey, uh, what? Mm. Uh, I had a question about cross-pollination. Yeah, uh, like cross-pollination. Mm. Yeah, if you plant two squash plants in the same garden, same seas, and they, they cross-pollinate. Now, that's where the bees get involved, and uh, the wind and the weather, and so that that can uh, make things change naturally, but that's okay because yeah. the bees involved. Yeah. I'm happy doing beekeeping for a long time, and I love that. Any um, mm. cross-pollination, Joe? Not in my area of expertise. Um, no, I've just been really focusing on the, uh, the aquaponics. Don't know anything about the cross-pollinization, but I'm sure there's some people out there maybe uh, rattling their, shaking their memory a little bit, and maybe all this is coming back to them. I hope so. Again, yeah, well, I know uh, Frank mentioned here uh, that uh, you can save those seeds and, and cross-pollinate them that way also. And, you, and it naturally happens... Uh, uh, in a garden with the bees and the wind, so you can have that too. So I, I'm not as familiar uh, with um, doing taking the seeds and doing that. It sounds like Frank is. We'll have to have him tell us a little more about that part. You know what I did this year that I've never done? I had some tomatoes, uh, and they were dying off, so I pulled the plants up finally. And I had some tomatoes in the refrigerator that were going bad. So I took yeah. and planted 
the entire tomato where the old tomato plant was from the, the growing season and I'm waiting to see if the whole tomato plant dries up and the seeds take off and I get new tomatoes for the fall season I'll let you know hey yeah that's great see and that's you can experiment a little bit you know you're trying something something a little different you got your own little <laughs> We got a question for question you. For they me. want to know what what kind of natural fertilizer uh, for aquaponics. Well, you know, it's it's just the natural process. The um, maybe I didn't I didn't I didn't really get deep into that. Yeah, the fish, the excrement from the fish, uh, is pumped out of that tank through the medium, like the uh, the lava stone or the Colorado River stone or you know, any small, you know, gravel that, uh, that you see pretty much everywhere. Right. So it goes through that, it filters and you can have, actually you can have worms, uh, in that grow bed, uh, in that medium bed and you can have your root, you know, a couple of, you know, uh, I know people that are growing really strong uh, tomato plants that have been there for a long time and just filtering out that, taking all that, kind of raw nutrient out of the, um, the the fish excrement. So it goes through that little, little medium tank, and then you can have it go cycle right back into the fish tank, right, through natural gra- gravity. You, you don't need a big elaborate pump system. It's, you know, think of a flow of water. It's pretty simple there. You have the low point, and then you have your high point. I'm trying to sum it up, but you can also, uh, like that one second tank that I was talking about, the IBC, where you cut it in half, it's just the pump pumps it up to the top, and it falls back. You know, once it fills up, it falls back down to the bottom, filtered out for the fish. With a larger system, the tube tank system, I can have the grow bed and the flow tanks, which I alluded to earlier with the roots hanging down, touching the water, and, again, filtering it out for the fish. And then you have a little, you know, again, it cycles back through to the uh, to the low part. Uh, you can have a, on the bigger system, I plan to put a, a sump pump, where the water goes to the lowest point and then the pump will push it back through to the fish and, you know, start the whole process again. Well, that's that, that, that way you don't have to invest yeah. in a bunch of natural fertilizer because you're making your own. Yeah. Now, where did you get exactly. your medium? Are you using rocks well, from a riverbed? Did you buy rocks? What do you got? I got a little bit offline. Uh, I got some of the lava rocks. They're black. They're about a quarter of an inch. Uh, and uh, that you kind of use, you know, once you get into it, uh, the fish, it actually goes through a process where the uh, the waste is, you know, it has some ammonia in it. So the, the whole system, it has uh, kind of a bacterial process to it, and it's transferred to where the plants can actually use the nutrients. But uh, I ordered some rocks offline. And then, again, you can go down the street uh, to your big box, you know, uh, garden center, and get, you know, uh, rocks that you use maybe to put down a walkway or something. And it doesn't have to be very elaborate. Uh, you can use that. But um, no no pesticides. To answer that question, I'm sorry, uh, no herbicides. You don't use, you don't want to use any sprays because you do have the fish that you're dealing with, a living, you know, critter that you got to keep uh, free from all that. So no pesticides, no herbicides, nothing. There are some natural things out there if you get, you know, further on and some areas experience maybe some specific bugs that might uh, come after the plants. There's one fellow he's doing, uh, he's out on a mission down in uh, Honduras and he's put, he put in a system down there 
And he had a unique situation where the you know the bugs that aren't unique to Texas were attacking his you know his crops just in that little area. But again, you know, there's natural solutions out there. You, the whole thing is natural, start to finish. You don't want to have anything in there, no chemicals whatsoever. And that's why you know the hydroponics. And again, I'm not an expert on it, but it seemed to have a little bit more of that. There's a solution that's involved that just seemed a little less natural than fish and the whole process there. So I hope that answers the question. Well, yeah, and I think you brought up a good point. With the hydroponic, you would have to uh, constantly be renewing that solution. Even if you used an organic fertilizer, you'd have to be renewing it yeah. all the time. Where with the fish, it's a natural sustainability, and it's going to keep taking care of itself. Um, I guess the only thing you have to do is make sure you you have a good, clean filter system, natural gravel filter system. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as as a, your system maybe gets uh, bigger, you always want to test your water quality. Um, you don't want to have too many fish in the tank. You know, you want the fish to kind of have a fun life. I mean, they're they're working, but they're they're still being fished. So you know, there's that balance there. But uh, once you do your research, and again, again, I recommend you get on on the internet after the show uh, is over and research it thoroughly. There's so much great information out there. There's so many people across the country that are already doing these projects. It might be your neighbor. You know, I was talking about that earlier. You know, getting out and talking to your uh, your neighbors. Turns out I've got one you know certified master plumber over here on one one side, right? couple houses down, I've got a master chef who works at one of the better country clubs out here. So it ties back into that whole thing. I mean, there's a need for it locally, you know, just in your whole house. You know, you want to have access to good food. But as a business model, too, it can be very successful. And, you know, again, there are big farms. But, you know, I, I'm just thinking small right now, but dreaming big, right? <laughs> Well, you talked about fish, you talked about shrimp, you talked about crabs. What are you going to use in yours when you set it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to start right now with uh, with goldfish. Goldfish are, you know, pretty easy fish to, to maintain. They they can handle temperature, temperature differentials. You know, we live in a pretty mild climate down here. You know, if you lived... Say further north, you'd want to consider maybe uh, you can do uh, trout, some um, some different kind of catfishes uh, in the south. It, it depends, it, you know, whatever you like to eat. Maybe uh, I mentioned that because one, you know, you're providing your own food source. But if you wanted to look at it as a business, hey, what do people need? You know, you see a lot of these. Um, you know, the fish that come in and they're packaged from these farms and these huge corporate farms. They're not putting the same kind of care into their product as you would if you want something right there in your house. You know, their water quality, maybe what they're giving the fish. You know, I mean, we've heard the horror stories of how they treat chickens and that whole process there. You know, but it's kind of the same for fish. You know, it's just slightly different food source. But, yeah, you can grow pretty much anything you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're absolutely right because a lot of the farm-grown fish I tell patients do not eat because they're giving them yes. synthetic crap foods and processed stuff. And so it might look like a normal catfish, but the nutrient value is not there, and it's not naturally grown in those farms, so you don't want to eat that stuff. No, no, no. 
it's so hard to avoid, though. I mean, it's everywhere you go. There's a GMO warehouse right at the corner of uh, pretty much every block in any major city. You know, every small town's got a GMO factory right there in plain sight. It's just got colorful lights on it and uh, super, super specials that <laughs> you just can't, you can't resist. It's hard to avoid, well, I, you know, on today's well, I told schedule, you, I too. Yeah. Gatorade. And after I talked oh, to Gatorade, uh, I noticed uh, it was a couple months they came out with an organic Gatorade and got away from the GMO. So they're trying to cater mm. to both sides of that coin. And I tell mm-hmm. people all the time, vote with your wallet. If they put out a crap yes. product with GMO, don't buy it. Don't, if they can't sell it, don't quit doing it. Exactly, and that is so true, David. Yeah, you mentioned that last week, and absolutely true, man. That's all we can do. You know, it's hard to pick and choose sometimes with the with the flurry of our schedule. But you know, as long as you know these things, I mean, you start looking out for them and then start avoiding them. And you know, the whole beauty about gardening and, and doing it here, you know, I mean, plants don't need a lot of maintenance. Yes, you can check your, you know, fish obviously every day, but, you know, it's kind of set it and forget it. You know, check, make sure your pump is running and, and stuff like that. Check the water quality. I've got a checklist that uh, I go through, um, you know, but it's, it's you can leave and go to your regular job. You can do it, but I recommend everybody's, you know, like research it and do a small project. You'd be amazed. I mean, I see people growing it in windowsills and you know, uh, apartment buildings in New York City. Oh, and that's another thing, too. If, if we have time, I don't want to, you know, run over time here, but, you know, in some of these urban areas where, like Detroit, and people use Detroit a lot because that city's just, wow. But they're, tre- they're retrofitting a lot of the older buildings. And, you know, think of this on a bigger system. Uh, you can grow vertically, okay? You're not constricted to the horizontal field anymore. So you're talking about a concentrated food supply in, you know, in a community that's got, you know, 100,000 plus people, you know, that's, think of it. It's, it's really amazing too, when you start thinking out of the box, so to speak, and think big, but that's a little further down the road, but it's already in play. And there's so many futuristic designs out there too. You're going to, you're really going to enjoy researching it. I tell you what, it's, it make a great hobby if you're looking for something to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, while we were uh, talking about this over the last few days and, and because you brought it up many times that I've seen you, I noticed that you can find some really small for about $59, 60 bucks or somewhere in there. And, uh, it's, uh, it looks like a, a regular fish tank, but it's got the plant system sitting right on top. And small yeah, enough to start it. doing it in your home. And it looks like a pretty that's neat it. way to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. You you mentioned something I completely overlooked. Once you start researching, obviously, you're going to see a ton of ads. And there are some fantastic products out there. You know, get on Amazon, too, or, or whatever you like to shop on. People are doing it, and there's so many affordable models out there. Yeah, start small, think big. Really. Yeah, I've seen some up to five, six thousand dollars. They call them sanctuary beds, uh, so that's pretty fancy. Now, for anybody out there, because yeah. we are going to run out of time here in a little bit, uh, but for anybody out there that's interested in aquaponics, 
what would you recommend? You said that for them to go out and research it a little bit. Is there uh, a, a particular way to start that you think is good for them, or just just research it and go with your gut? Go with your gut. Yeah, absolutely. I think once you start the research process, things are going to click. You know, you're going to see you know things that uh, make sense to you, and you know, get on the images and look through, you know, a lot of the, uh, the pictures uh, that people have, and there's a ton of schematics. You know, you, you can open up and use, uh, they've got so many free applications and programs that you can use to design your models and stuff like that. I, I use Google SketchUp. It's, it's cheap, easy, fast to learn, but you can, you know, visualize what you're seeing and, and then put it into, into a medium where other people can see it and add to it and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, once you research and you start the wheels turning, it'll make sense to you. And, you know, we got to wake that up. And, you know, like I said, the, the victory guard, think of the victory guard. Just with this. <laughs> Get ready, people. <laughs> have well, something. You know, have something. You, mentioned a you mentioned a vertical garden. Uh, yeah. What do they do with that? Where where are the fish in, in a vertical garden? Is it hidden? Because I saw something that showed growing a bunch of heads of lettuce on a tall tower in a big pot. Yeah. And it looked pretty neat, yeah. but I couldn't see where the fish were. They might be in a different part of the building, David. It's just, you know, the elaborate uh, setup of the system. They could be, you know, on the first floor and, you know, you can have 20 stories in the building. And depending on the setup, you know, that water is cycling through and then trickles right back down into the into the fish tank. I mean, it's... Pretty neat. Yeah, Joe, yeah, vertical. We'll have vertical. to bring you back on and talk about this more as you get further down the road and you get it started up. And uh, we'll, you know, update everybody. And uh, you're welcome to come back anytime you like and uh, work, work with me on this stuff. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. I'll, I'll keep you posted and, and everybody out there on I planted whole tomatoes in my garden. And we'll see what happens yeah. there. I've never done that before, but I figured, you know what? In the old days, a tomato fell to the ground, it rotted, and the seeds popped up. So that's what I'm going to try yeah. to do. The lazy man. Hey, how are, your, how are your lemons coming along? You had a bunch of lemons that were. So about I, I've, got, was... I've got thousands of them that are starting to turn yellow, and I've got some oranges. And I've still got green beans and onions growing out there, and I had one last jalapeno pepper. So. Anyway, we're about ready to wrap it up. Thank you, Joe. We'll get together again on this. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. May God bless you with health and happiness. And please be very quick to listen and slow to speak and, and try to treat everybody like you be treated. Good night, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday, when I was young, the taste of life was sweet as rain upon my tongue. I teased at life as if it were a foolish game. A candle flame, the thousand dreams I dreamed, the splendid things I planned, I always built to last on weak and shifting sand. 
light of day And only now I see How the years ran away Yesterday When I was young Pastor Ernie Sanders, the voice of the Christian resistance. Stay tuned. My radio broadcast, What's Right, What's Left, is coming up right now. occupation of our homeland. And uh, tonight we're going to pick up where we left off in our uh, message. Uh, The title was, Why Dead People Always Vote for Democrats. Why Dead People Always Vote for Democrats. And uh, we're going to Proverbs chapter 1. Now in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, uh, we dealt with in verse 1, knowledge uh, and awareness of facts. And and, uh, verse 2, the understanding, the comprehension, meaning of well, of interrelationship with facts and so on and so forth. And uh, number three, instruction. Uh, number four, discretion. Uh, number five, uh, learning. Number six, wisdom. And, of course, number seven, to finish it off, was wise counsel. And so we're going to pick it up tonight in, in verse 10. And here we're going to take a close look because at what we call today progressive socialism or liberalism or communism, uh, you see very, very well described here in this passage. These are not new things. These are, as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And so here live in the studio, uh, we have from right to right, are are you ready over there yet? Okay, put that mic up. Okay. The mic should be down in front of your face. It's about four inches away. All right. Starting with my right, we have Beverly Goldstein. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ernie. Good evening. Oh, good evening. And to my center right, we have Shalira Taylor. Thank you, Pastor Scott, for having me, Pastor Sanders. All righty. Mm-hmm. And then to my far right, because, see, we do not have any left here. It is not allowed. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have Deandra Smith. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Sanders. Thank you for having me on. All righty. Well, let's get going and as we walk through the Word of God. Now, in verse 10 of Proverbs 20, he says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us and let us lay wait for blood, 
Let us look privately for the innocent without cause. So let me just ask you, ladies, what can be more innocent than an unborn baby, a baby in the womb? And so when they say, let us, let us lay wait for blood, who stands to profit when children are killed? The wicked. Uh, the wicked. So today we look at the abortion industry, planned predators, planned predators. Uh, they literally drain the blood of the the unborn, and especially going after uh, the black community, Absolutely. black genocide. So there's uh, no one more innocent than unborn babies. But on the other end of that scale, uh, today, if you take a look at uh, the Obama regime and what they want to do, they want to pass, they want to make it that people 70 or over no longer, now they haven't done this yet, but they're pushing on this, mm-hmm. no longer will receive treatment. In other words, let's just say that you need a, uh, a lung transplant or a kidney transplant. If you're 70 or over, you're not eligible. You're only eligible for uh, treatment, the comfort care treatment. And then... He says, let's swallow them up alive as the grave, whole as those that go down to the pit. Mm-hmm. Now listen to these next two verses. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one person. Now how does that deal uh, with what we call socialism, communism today? Let us all have one person. He's talking about transfer of wealth. Transfer of wealth. Now, uh, Lenin, both Marx and Lenin, made a statement that it was morally acceptable for the proletariat to kill the bourgeoisie, uh, to take their wealth. Now, the bourgeoisie was called capitalists. Mm-hmm. And so that was a teaching of, of the left today, what we call the far left. It really hasn't changed. Um, Saul Alinsky, uh, and if you look at uh, Bill Ayers, who was Obama's mentor, he said back in the 70s, and I remember hearing him say this, that it will be necessary, it would be necessary during the revolution when communism takes over America to eliminate at least 25 million. Now, that was back in the 70s. 25 million individuals. Now, these are conservative Christians who cannot be what they they consider uh, reoriented and uh, brought back into the collective. Uh, so that was the 70s. Move that forward today, uh, that would probably be... Us. 70 million people, right? Yeah. That would probably be 70 million people that they would say who cannot be uh, assimilated into the collective. They said it's assimilation or elimination. Mm-hmm. Assimilation or elimination. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is happening real time. Now, God's Word, the Bible tells you in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about the great apostasy it describes this time in Second Thessalonians chapter two. Also, this is the great apostasy. The great apostasy. We're we're there right now. Now, it's, it doesn't say because if you go like in First uh, Timothy chapter four, it talks about later times, uh, and then it says uh, in end times. But in Second Timothy chapter three, 
it says is very specific, the last days, the last days. So we're seeing a lot of things happening, like just, for example, what happened just uh, last night and this morning in Rome. You had two earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, every day, about every day, there's some there's an earthquake someplace. Now, that's one of the, mm-hmm. the signs uh, of the earth winding down that he he talks about the the groan, groaning and moaning of God, yes. yeah and so we're seeing these things now going back here to uh where we see in proverbs 1 my son walk not now in the way with them that refrain thy foot from their path for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood Surely it's vain to uh, spread the net in the sight of the bird in other words if people are aware of what is taking place, uh, just like today with the media. Uh, a lot of people are walking around there, they're la-la landers. The vast majority of people in this country are not only biblically illiterate, okay, but they're, where it comes to current events, they're they're dumbed down. I mean, they, they've they got no idea what's taking place. I, you know, I, true. You know, we'll look at the college, our college students today, it's pitiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were they were polling, they were asking some of these girls at Berkeley and that, who was Christopher Columbus? Their answer was one of our first presidents. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, they they were asking, uh, what body of water? What body of water borders the east coast of the United States? What do you think their answer was? Hopefully, um, Lake Erie. Oh. What body of water? The east coast of the United Lake Erie. Okay. okay. Yes. That was their answer. That was their answer. It's, it's a sea. No, these are college kids. <laughs> it's a sea, not a lake. Okay. Right. These are these are college kid girls. Okay. Uh, so you have, you know, our, our college. What did Karl Marx say? They must be indoctrinated, but they must never know they're being indoctrinated. They must always believe. They're being educated. They must, and, and it's, it's an unbelievable thing to talk to these young kids. When they were asked, should, if Obama was to be able to run again, should he keep Dan Quill as his vice president? And they all Quill? said yes. They said yes. Okay. I haven't See, heard Dan Quill's name in a long time. Well, they must have forgotten Joe you probably That would be an improvement, <laughs> don't you think, Pam Journey? Yeah, it would be a, a major I mean, improvement, yeah. I would vote for that in a heartbeat. Yeah, but, but I mean, see, when see, this is, we laugh at this, but it's not funny. This is what's happened to our college kids, and we've allowed it, okay? He goes back here, and he says, uh, and they wait for their own blood and lurk privately for their own lives, uh, so are the ways of everyone, now listen, that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Now remember what Marx said in English, it's, all, it's, it's morally acceptable to kill the wealthy. What did Obama say? The Obama says we're going to transfer the wealth, and I heard him say this, from those that earned it to those that deserve it. So he's saying mm-hmm. that that those that earned it aren't necessarily the ones that deserved it. And the Bible says those that earned it are the ones that deserve it, right? Mm-hmm. And so now we get into this. Here uh, is the only place, in, well, one of the few places in Scripture where God 
is spoken of in terms of a mother or a woman, and that is here. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. What is wisdom? What is wisdom? Let me read it again. Wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. Wisdom is the word of God, and that's what he's talking about here. So, she crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her works. Now, what do you think that means, the chief places of concourse in the gates of the city? See, in the gates of the city is where they did all the business. All of the business was taking place. And so he's saying here, God's word will tell you how to conduct business. God's word will tell you how to conduct uh, industry. Okay, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity and scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? Now, have you heard the term, you simpleton? Have you ever heard that term, you simpleton? A new one? Or no? Well, just a, just you're a little bit young. See, that's... that's <laughs> That's not a new one. That was That's an old term yeah, that's okay. been around for a long time. This is where it came from, right here. Simpleton means is, is someone, okay, uh, that is biblically illiterate. Someone who is uh, worldly, but they've got no understanding of what the Word of God teaches here. And fools hate knowledge. What mm-hmm. is knowledge? Knowledge is the Word of God. Word of knowledge God. is right. Uh, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. So, uh, DeAndre, what do you think that means? I will pour out my spirit unto you. That's God talking, saying that he's going to pour out unto us his Holy Spirit. He's going to make known his word unto us through his Holy Spirit. Okay, but what do we have to do to, to get that? Submit, first of all, right. the he Word says, of God turn and you be willing my, to receive it. Turn you at my reproof. In other words, mm-hmm. so what do we do when uh, when when our parents chastised us? What did we do? We repented, didn't we? You should okay. repent. You should receive it, and you should correct. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. he says, because I have called and you refused. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. Are, they, are Is this just Old Testament words? You know, they're going back here. Uh, 4,000 years ago, or is this every bit as relevant today Absolutely. as it was for it your, is, your it's, applicable. Much, it's applicable for today as much as it was back then. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. He says, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have set naught at my counsel and would have none of my reproof. In other words, uh, he is saying, look, I chastised you, but you... You paid no attention to it. Willful blindness. Willful blindness. You're absolutely right. And that's what's happening today in our society. Especially with abortion. It with a lot of things. For with a lot of things. Abortion clinics on one street and yeah. everybody thinks it's okay. Yeah. Well, the mindset is, look, uh, God's going to have to give in to political polls and political correctness, okay? Mm. Uh, they've got a new term. Have you Have you listened to the... Uh, the terminology now that they're talking about on the news, they've changed the words. We've got all this new terminology. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't refer to prostitutes as prostitutes now. 
Do you know what they're, how they refer to them now? Huh? You said that in the back. Sex workers. They're referring to them as sex mm -hmm. workers today. Okay. Uh, he said, and how? And what about whores? How are they referring to as whores? Free spirited. Free spirited. Mm -hmm. okay. It's not that uncommon that we take things that are wrong and make it common. Yeah. Because that's how we. That's how those things are made acceptable. It's called the language of illusion, confusion, and delusion. Absolutely. And in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 4, the Lord says, I will choose your delusions. Now, he's chosen the delusions of people. Uh, we talked about that earlier. The, the number one delusion chosen is the teaching of evolution. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have said it not all my... All of my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. So he's saying, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock. Let me ask you this, because you hear people all the time uh, saying they're atheists. They don't believe in God. Mm -hmm. well, that's probably the, that is the dumbest thing that you can imagine, uh, because the entire all of creation, everywhere you turn and look, it's crying out about a creator. You can you you cannot have a creation of any kind without a creator. It's impossible. Can't happen. Okay. So as Romans one tells you, all of creation cries out, both the visible things and the invisible things cry out to tell you there's a creator. And uh, we talked about. Uh, how complicated uh, just say your DNA is, and how and, and uh, these people will will acknowledge yes, we have DNA. Uh, where's the information? Our, our DNA is encoded. It is it is much 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 more sophisticated than any computer systems we have. What is encoded in our DNA, human DNA? Well, who put that information in there? How did it get in there? God. God. So <laughs> We're made in his image. Does not does it not say that in Genesis chapter 1? Right. He made us in his image. But you see, yeah, you're going to have to get a little closer to that mic, okay? Just pull it right out to you there, okay? Because you're soft-spoken. You're a little soft-spoken, yeah. Anyhow, he says, uh, I will also laugh at your calamity and mock when your fear comes. Let me ask you this. These people that believe that they're, uh, say they're atheists, um, they come out of a primordial pool or pond. Yes, primordial ooze. Have you ever seen anyone who was, say, caught in a car fire cry out, Oh, primordial ooze, come and help me, please. Okay, did you ever see that? I never heard one person ever cry out to the primordial ooze or primordial slime. I never once, but I've, right. I've heard a lot of these people cry out to Almighty God, right? True. And uh, that that, that uh, primordial ooze never answers them when they cry out. Does it? I've heard it said that atheists are the greatest believers. They have the greatest faith. The way it was phrased was atheists have the greatest faith because it takes a great deal of faith to believe that you don't believe. Right. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, you but know, the more you don't believe, the more you push away God, the more you can accept behaviors that if you were a godly person, you would never consider to be okay. True. So you just keep moving God further and further, one ring, outer ring, two outer rings, where you don't have a concept of God anymore. And so you're not obligated to 
follow anything that would be godly because you've decided that you've eliminated God. Mm-hmm. God has not been eliminated, but in your mind, you've eliminated God. So you can be a sex worker instead of a prostitute, and you can be a this instead of a that, but you're really mishandling yourself. But you won't judge yourself because you've pushed God away. Well, you're delusional, and here's what it, because they, they work on a basis of theoretically. You know, everything is, uh, so in other words, God only exists theoretically if people acknowledge his existence. If the masses do not acknowledge his existence, then God can't exist. Now, well, that's is, communism. That's true. Okay, in fact, what did Karl Marx say that, uh, Whatever the facts come in conflict uh, with your theory or opinions, the facts must take a back seat. That's the facts the, don't matter. Right. What our plan is what matters. The facts don't right. matter. And that's what we see in the progressive left. The facts don't matter. We're going to create a vision, and we're going to create talking points for that vision. And whether it's reality or not, man, we're voting for it, we're in love with it, we're all in for it. I, I had gotten into uh, a disagreement with the professor who, uh, this math professor, as uh, we were talking about, he believes in evolution. Now, he professes to be a Christian that believes in evolution. Well, that's kind of... There's a lot of them out there now. Yeah, well... we well, coming across them more and more every day. Uh, anyhow... <laughs> No one uh, in my family ever had a tail, so. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Did you look? I I looked. Okay. Sure we won't tell you. At least look. three generations back, my grandmother and my great grandmother never had a tail for sure. But. Okay. So then you're pretty sure that all of your relatives were men, women, and children. No monkeys. No, there were monkeys? there no, were no no no, no, no uh, lizards. No any lizards crawling okay. out the glue. So, or anything, anyhow, no. I had asked a guy one time, Bob, Rob Sherman. Do you know who Rob Sherman was? He was the second in command of the National Atheist Association. Mm. And do you remember a fellow named Gary D? used to be on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Well, I debated Rob Sherman on Gary D's program. And uh, I asked him, you know, the, that, the debate was, and I told him, I can prove God in five minutes. And you couldn't, you couldn't prove uh evolution of five years and he said well how could you do that i said it's simple i said look out the window here Mm -hmm. right here in the bible it says god created the heavens and the earth look up that's the heavens it's right there i know i've been up there believe me it's there (laughs) i says create the earth look down at the ground there it is okay Mm -hmm. i walk on that okay and it created man here i am you can hear me touch me and uh i said now rob some of my relatives might have swung from their Next, but none of them ever swung from their tails. Right. I said, now you tell me which one of your relatives was the last monkey, puppy, or lizard, or bug. And he said, that's it, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Rob, was it something I said? You see, there you go. Uh, we get back here, he's talking about the simple-minded. Now you see, when God rules on something, what do we call that? When he rules on something? Right. Absolute. Well, you call it absolute, but uh, in the court cases today, when you go into the court, and I know I've been in there over my pro-life activity, I've been sued more about anybody I know, and we beat them every time. They call it settled law. They always refer to it as Roe v. Wade as settled law. Hmm. 
uh, well, you know, what is what we have here is settled law. For example, the institution of marriage. God gave us the institution of marriage. When he did that, that was the first divine institution. He gave us the definition. Definition is one man, one woman with God for for one lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that's called settled law. God settled that. Mm-hmm. Now, you see, they're out there arguing with that. Now, here's how it works. When you argue with God, you lose. Okay. Eventually, now, what yeah. they call settled law now, uh, they call this sodomy, which they call same-sex marriage sodomy. God calls fornication an abomination. Mm-hmm. And he says that's settled law. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, in the end, who's going to win that argument? God. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. He's going to win it. And so we go, he says this, uh, when you're... When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destructive cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Mm-hmm. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. They would have none of my counsel, they despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices, for the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearken unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Amen. Amen. We're coming up to a break, but I wanted to tell the folks that um, Saturday at Doers of the Word Baptist Church at 14781 Sperry Road, from 2 to 6 p.m., we're going to be showing two videos. One is uh, Amerigeddon, Amerigeddon. Uh, there's a lot of uh, what is going on out there today, especially amongst the, the military. Uh, a lot of talk right now about if it looks like Trump may win this election. Obama has got everything set. He's prepared to declare martial law. It's all on, on pushback. Yeah. So we were this, told that some time ago. Pardon, huh? We were told yeah. that some time ago. Well, yeah, this is this is what's going on all through the military folks, and, mm-hmm. and you probably know that, Mike. Okay. I've been telling people for the last three years that martial law is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No so, well, we have prophets in the land that have been telling us tomorrow. We knew back in November of 2011 when our own pastor, Dr. Belinda Scott, prophesied okay. what was coming, that yeah. Occupy Wall Street was actually the beginning of what we're going to see happen mm-hmm. at the end of this year, yeah. going into 2017. Well, it's, and it's coming right. to pass. It's all coming to pass. We talked about that in 2008. We there were telling go. people, yep. yeah, no. They kept saying there was a shift. This is part of the shift. Uh, and then when we told people about Obama being a Muslim, he's a Wahhabi Muslim. We told him back then, we told people uh, about him being a homosexual, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, hardcore communist. So now, uh, here, we're, we're uh, seeing that coming into, into focus. So this... This film, Amerigeddon, shows what we can expect. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's really powerful. It shows what you can expect uh, to take place during, if, if martial law is declared. Mm. And then the second film uh, is Hillary's America. And I'll tell you about that right after this. Let's go to break.
Take America back, folks, and uh, uh, so I have a whole studio full of women here, and uh, they want to take America back. Hey, don't forget Michael. Yeah, but he doesn't have a mic. He took his mic away. Okay, <laughs> so Mike, he's laying back. Whenever you have a micless mic, okay, 
Um, he's, he's <laughs> <laughs> we never have a micless mic at my house. All right. If I get really hot about something, I'll just grab a mic. All right. Well, why don't you just pull the chair off and we'll put your mic right between the two of you, and uh, that'll work that way. Anyhow. That's not the first thing we shared. Yep. That is Beth Goldstein, and she's running. She is running uh, for Congress in the 11th Congressional District because she just wants to spend so much time with Marsha Fudge, right? Oh, man. My dream. I wake up every morning and go, where is that woman today? No, actually, I do wake up every day and wonder where is that woman today because we're at over 360 events and we've seen her once. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, she ha she doesn't really have to come up. Communist Party is, is pumping a lot of big money in her campaign, don't you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. Somebody mentioned to me the other day that she, you know, she had no lawn signs, and all of a sudden they're like all everywhere. Over the yeah. And so someone told me that uh, she has a driver who goes around and distributes signs, and I'm sure that when you're in office and you have a staff and so forth, you can do that. But I have a driver, too. His name is Mike. <laughs> all righty. One of the things, Pastor Ernie, we did, we did find when we looked at her, her campaign con contributors, many of them are big corporations. Mm -hmm. Not and just communists and the unions and a lot of individuals. People are paying for access. Mm -hmm. At least that's my impression. Well, I mean, isn't that what Hillary taught them? It's I pay mean, for play. Uh, I mean, isn't that the way it's working? I mean, that's that's the way it works with the Obama. I mean, and there has no ever been a, a larger crime cartel in the world than the Clintons <laughs> right now. Right. They're the largest crime cartel that ever existed, but. Tell us, Bev Goldstein, for those yeah. folks out in the 11th Congressional District, why they should be voting for you and not Marsha Fudge. Oh, I'm so nice. And I show up. Um, well, this is the deal, Pastor Ernie, and thanks for having us on again. Um, we've spent 10 months in the city, and we have determined that there is great poverty in District 11. Now, it's really interesting because I was at a fairly low-grade hostile event before I came here tonight. I wouldn't say bad, but it certainly isn't like the five of us sitting here in the room. And uh, I'm on my way here by going to the um, car, and a lady comes up to me and she says, you know, I heard you speak last week. She says, I'm really sick of hearing about the poverty in the district. You talked about the fact that there are eight wealthy cities in District 11, uh, which there are, uh, five in Cuyahoga and three in Summit County. She said, why aren't you telling us about the wealthy communities? Why are you spending the time when you talk to people talking about the problems? I said, well, it seems to me that somebody in Congress or going to Congress should be very concerned about the people who need assistance to move up in their life. Uh, the people who are in the eight wealthy cities, most of those people uh, probably don't even think about their congresswoman or ever need to call her. Uh, but the people below that probably need her and think about why she's not helping more every day. And, and so we went back and forth and I said, you know what? We're looking at the same facts and we just have a very different vision. So let's just be very respectful of each other for that. And that's, you know, that's what we'll do. But people who really are for Miss Fudge, either our family or their close friends, or they're, you know, somebody who has 
benefited from her, which is very few people that we meet. Michael went into a shop to buy bagels the other day, and he mentioned to the young man who sold him the bagels, it was in the district, he says, my wife is running for Congress, and he gave him the card, and he looked at my husband, and he goes, oh, I already voted for your wife. And 10 people in my family voted for your wife. Young black man. Young black man. I mean, Pastor Ernie, either you go to Congress to have the back of the people in your district. We can talk about poverty. We can talk about all kinds of problems. Fundamentally, you go to Congress to take care of the people back home. That means you vote in their best interest. Why does Representative Johnson always support voting for things that relate to coal? Because the people who send him to Congress are from the coal country. Those are the people who work, who pay the taxes, who vote for him. The Jews and the blacks vote for Marsha. We need her to be there for us. She is not there for us. She's not there for veterans. She's not there for... uh, economic development, which stems from energy and uh, lower government regulations and lower corporate taxes and lower income tax. We're talking so much about lower corporate tax. We also need to actually lower income tax right away. People don't make enough money to pay the amount of tax that they're paying. There just needs to be, we need to turn it over and fix it. So, That's why you need to vote for Beverly Goldstein on November 8th or as soon as you get your ballot in the mail or show up at the Board of Elections to vote. Okay, on the issues uh, where it comes to life, you're pro-life. Yes, I am. March of Fudges. Oh, my God. She is attached to Hillary at the hip. Okay. Okay. And you know what that position is. And that's another example of not voting for your constituents. I have met a few black women who say they are for, quote, reproductive rights for black people. I think you'll find people in every group, but the majority of communities I've been in who've invited me to chat, have lunch, have coffee, talk, these are people who value life. Many of these people have young girls in their family who end up pregnant And those babies are born because they believe that the baby is a life and the baby has a right to be born and be alive. So her record, even on that specific issue, doesn't align with her community. All right. I have three women here in the the studio with me now. Uh, I'm going to ask you three. Do you believe in God's word, the Bible? Yes, Okay, absolutely. so you believe it's true. So according to this, they call themselves reproductive rights. Now, that's the language of illusion. <laughs> the Bible calls it killing a child, okay? Um, they were referring to that as pro-choice. Well, no. You see, a lot of people don't know this, but I knew it from the beginning. The opposite of life is? Death. That's right. The opposite of hot is? Cold. Cold. The opposite of up is? Down. You, you folks passed the test, you see? Yay, mm-hmm. so vote for us. They're pro you, you, know, you are smarter than every single person in the Democratic Party. Right? <laughs> yeah, you have to be because, you see, they don't understand these things. So uh, that is called pro-death. Now, God's Word, the Bible says that people that are pro-death are unclean, are unclean. Is that is that good to be unclean? They're nasty. Oh, now, wait a minute. You... you, you <laughs> You just you just uh, said Elizabeth Warren when you said that. Now that's that's the only thing that I know of that I have agreed with 
Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren, because they come out with, they said, I heard them say it. I'm not telling, I'm not kidding mm-hmm. you. We're the nasty women. Yep. And I said, well, I knew that. I've known that for a long time. Very, really. And Donald Trump says that, too. Yeah. He says, she's nasty. He says, nasty. but I mean, nasty women hold to sin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Killing children. That's about as, as, as sinful as, as, as you can get. Okay. Sodomy is sinful. So your position then on on the on abortion, which is is by the way, when God gave us the divine institution of human government, He gave us five points in that in that five points in that divine institution. He gave us the very first one was to whom it was given. You find that in Genesis nine, verses nine, ten, verse twelve, and verse fifteen and sixteen. Second point: the intent. The intent of human government, real government, genuine, divine, what God gave us, mm-hmm. man was to govern for God. You find that in the Noahic Covenant, the very first four verses. But here's the third point. The third point was the entire purpose of human government given to us in Genesis during the Noahic Covenant. And that was in verses 5 through 7, to preserve the image of God, that being man. The entire purpose was to preserve the image of God, that being man. Now, what does abortion do to that? Destroy the image of God. It's the number one violates the entire purpose. What was the very first command that God gave man? Be fruitful and multiply. That was the very first command. The fourth point. The fourth point was how man was to govern for God. God's laws, God's statutes, God's covenants, God's commands, God's promises, etc. And then the fifth point where those people and nations that were in compliance with the first four would be at peace and not at war with God. Mm-hmm. I'm looking around. I don't find many peoples today at peace with God. You know? Did you notice that? Right. So you're pro-life. Now, uh, we have something called Second Amendment. What do you think about that? Oh, I think that's really good, and I would like all your listeners to go on InfoWars. I was interviewed very briefly after the Trump rally the other day, and uh, Millennial Millie caught me as I was leaving uh, the IX Center, and I had a chance for about a four-minute interview, and I didn't know how it would look once it was posted, but uh, it does ask me these questions, and it does go into the fact that I come from a Holocaust family, a very few people people of my family survived Auschwitz, and that had we been able to retain our weapons, um, maybe not so many of us would have died. You give up your weapons, you have given up your life. So I, the answer is I totally support the constitutional provisions in all facets that give us all our right to bear arms. She's too modest. She was endorsed by uh, Gun Owners of America last week. Mm-hmm. She got a uh, an A from them. You can only get an A-plus if you've actually pushed through legislation. You've got to be an incumbent for that. But, so tell but, them how great my yeah, opponent is. Her, her adversary, her, Ms. Fudge, got an F-minus. <laughs> I didn't know you could get an F-minus, but that's what she got. Uh, yeah, she wants to take away her our ability to protect ourselves, you know, in the First Amendment, and, you know, our Second Amendment, that's what mm-hmm. that's all about. You know how they, they say that guns kill people? 
we did a very, very uh, no, people scientific people. experiment. Exactly. Yeah, because what we did but is... Guns. And if you take the gun away, they'll use a knife. Or we right, put, we put some guns right out on the table that we observed. We had hidden cameras. We watched them for a couple of days. They didn't do anything. Mm. They were just they just sat right there. <laughs> sat there. And I understand, and I and I do kind of understand where um, Congresswoman Fudge is coming from to a degree, because she she's she's basing her opinion on the fact that uh, in the African American community, um, the spirit of murder, death, and killing is rampant. It's running rampant. So she's basically stating that. Uh, you know, by not supporting the Second Amendment, that will help with, you know, crime and, and murder and killing. But that's that's not that's not the problem. The problem is the people. Right. It's I'm, the people. It has nothing to do with the weapon in and of itself. It has to do with the mindset of the people, the lack of respect for life. Well, terrorists drove that bus down the street in France and Nice and murdered a, uh, almost 200 people. So I think we need better bus control. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Here, here's truck control. She needs, right. to, she needs to come up with better programs and uh, better ideas to help support her communities that are suffering from the black-on-black -black crime and violence. You see where they have the strictest gun control laws. You have the highest murder. Now, mm -hmm. here's something that very few, that, that I think only not even one half of 1% of the Democrats are aware of out there. Those are and, illegal and, guns? And that is, no, listen, <laughs> listen. Mm -hmm. Criminals don't obey the law. Right. You see, so if you tell the criminals you can't have a gun, guess what? They're going to get a gun. And if you post a, a no no firearm or no gun area is posted, no firearm.